Hello, and welcome back to We Heart Hartnet, the podcast dedicated to exploring the filmography of the actor Josh Hartnett. I'm Patrick Willems. And I'm Jacob Torpy. And I'm Matthew Torpy. And guys, when we say we are exploring the filmography of Josh Hartnett, we are exploring the full filmography because all the nooks and crannies of this man's screen time. Mm, Yeah. Because if you listened to last week's episode, you know that we have now seen, actually a week ago, we had seen every single feature film in which our boy Joshua Hartnett had appeared. Yeah. But that and you thought we were just going to stop there. No. Have you met us? <laughs> when we say we're going to do something, when we set a an absurd, unrealistic, stupid, time-consuming <laughs> task for ourselves, and we publicly announce that this is a thing that we're going to do, we're going to finish it, we stick to our words, and we yeah. finish it. Is it yeah. stupid? Does it benefit no one? Is it time-consuming? With those three things, we have a mean follow-through. <laughs> but other, a lot of other things that would be helpful to our physical and mental upkeep, promises to family. No. We have a bit of a shakier no, no, history. No. But not Don't today. Those. Okay? Every delicious scrap of Josh Hartnett is going to be consumed by our eyeballs. And every oh, yeah. about every Josh nugget that's out there in the world. Every dank nug of Josh is going to be put in a gravity bong and smoked by us. We had our turkey and we had our potatoes and now yeah. we're now we're having our cranberry sauce. It's a Thanksgiving That's dinner good. and I'm giving thanks for uh, for Josh Hartnett. You wouldn't yeah. call this the yams of Josh? The, yes, these are yams. This is yams. This is your relative that makes like a puree of turnip, like a turnip oh, puree. So or, or is this or is this dessert? Third is, tier. Is, is this like some uh, some coffee and pie after well, dinner? You know these little these little dipple dapples of Josh, if you will. <laughs> I uh, will do more, more do, like, more like think, jibble jabbles. Jibble jabbles. Yeah. Like you get these, you know, and you, you know it's the day after Thanksgiving, and you open up the fridge, and you just see it's it's a fridge full of jibble jabbles, and you just. <laughs> Snarf him down. <laughs> Just eat a jibble jabble. Uh, Losing sometimes, language. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the jibble jabble is a cranberry. Words. Yeah. Sometimes like the jibble jabble is a is a is a little spoonful of stuffing with a little bit of sausage in it. Um, Guys, you know, you know what that's my what each of these short films are like. You know what my favorite thing about Thanksgiving is what it is. Uh, the several days after Thanksgiving, when for every meal but breakfast, I just eat leftover sandwiches yep. that I have perfected into maybe the greatest form of food in the world. Do tell. Okay. I think me... you've described the sandwich. It's the Thanksgiving sandwich. We've never given sandwich. out a recipe on the show before, so why don't you go and do that? Yeah. Okay, cooking okay. With Pat. I'm about to drop some hot info for you guys. So Literally, panini-style so, <laughs> And like paninis, the the ideal <laughs> bread to use is a, is a, a ciabatta roll or a loaf because okay. it's nice and flat. Also, essential thing... You have to own a panini press to get the full experience. Okay, they so if you don't have a panini find press, find your nearest friend with a panini press. They cost maybe forty to fifty dollars, like a Cuisinart one. I've got one; they're really good to have. Yeah, and so go to a restaurant, go behind into the kitchen, do that with your cold sandwich. Put your and just, bread in there and press they say, it. "Hey, what are you doing there? Yeah, I'm pressing my sandwich." They'll understand. They'll be like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> you're arrested. Come right on in. Yeah, yeah you, you, just like make yourself at home in I our have kitchen. To press it. <laughs> so get out of here. <laughs> so you slice you slice the bread, and then you lay down a. A layer of just thinly sliced turkey, just turkey, turkey breast. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. 
And then on top of that, you, with a knife, you spread mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah? Exactly. As, as, like a, as, as like a glue over it. And then on top of the mashed potatoes, using the stickiness, oh. you, you you layer mm. in a, a, a nice layer of stuffing. Oh. Just, ju- just fill that across, wow. and it'll stick together. This and sounds so good. This is like the it, street laying. Pat, don't tell me technique. there's more. Oh, 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 guys. Don't tell me there's more. <laughs> there's a... Two more layers, baby. Oh, so then, then you take your sweet potatoes, but, but, you, but you slice them thin and 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 just and just place Hell them thin. across as a, a covering. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, f- final layer, final no, layer, no final layer. You, you, you cover it in cranberries. <laughs> and then, then, you, then you place the top layer of bread. You put it in the panini press. You press it down. Oh, so and so, oh. it, and it fuses the whole thing together. It it, it oh, it's pressure. It put makes pressure it, on the bread. Put it just the right amount. It flattens it just enough so you can actually yeah. eat it, and the sandwich is not like a foot uh-huh. tall. And uh, and then it's it's the best meal that you'll eat all year. It's I, oh. I, yeah, Whew. it's perfect. It's all of Thanksgiving in every bite. What do you call it? I call it a leftover sandwich. I just fucking said that, you dummy. <laughs> oh. I thought you you're had a fine. little more creative. <laughs> you're name too busy. For that. You're too busy salivating to just listen to what I'm telling you. Listen, my, some my of us are trying to soaked. do some foley artistry over here, <laughs> some Michael Winslow style comedy. No, you, you guys are really good at that. I, I appreciate it, and uh, that's why this I keep is a helicopter. <laughs> what? <laughs> so we get that crossover Prairie Home Companion listenership. <laughs> yeah, People I'm trying to take like, a bite out of Keeler's pie. <laughs> <laughs> Killer wine pie. I think that's easy to do now that uh, he's not on the air anymore and is apparently a creep. Yeah, uh, I mean, we. Can you, you imagine can tell his big head looming up to you? <laughs> Did you oh, want to? Tales from Lake Wobogon. I Tales actually. Tales from Lake my dick. <laughs> I kind of. What did he do? I actually forgot. I, was he I, just I, I do like a Charlie Rose style, just walking out in a robe with his cock out? <laughs> See, I don't know. I do declare it's meal time. My, Why is he southern? southern? Well, Charlie Garrison Rose is Killer, southern. Garrison oh, yeah. Killer was a surprise for me, kind of like Charlie Rose, just because people on like PBS are like public radio. I'm just like, they're too boring to do anything. Anything like objectionable? They probably go home and stare at the wall, and then <laughs> that's what Charlie Rose does. And then they they go back to work. Like these are people who don't have lives. Yeah, they wear a quilt over their legs while they read a nice book and doze. Yeah, they have a fireplace. Even the, if the idea in of them having like lecherous feelings is like insane to me. Yeah, I, I'm I know it's bad, but it is so funny to visualize Charlie Rose. Doing pulling that move on anybody, just his old ass body in like a silk right. robe. It's, it's like, you're pity, not sexy. It's pity, Don't think you are. Pitiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of it, yeah. If it wasn't if it wasn't criminal, if he was doing this in a consensual manner, it would be charming. But instead, it's, it's creepy. It's it's creepy and and like lame in the way that when George Bush Senior was like, you know, my favorite magician is. And then the girl would be like, what? And he's like, David Copperfield. And then he would grab her tushy. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Because George Bush Sr. got in trouble for that. that. And he's, you know, like 90-something. He, but, but it's we just, all know it's he the, has the lamiest, the hammiest. Lamiest. Like, lamiest. <laughs> God damn it. I can't speak. 
Blame but it's just a joke from the 30s, you know? And Charlie Rose is of that era, just right. a little younger. Also, whenever I think of George Bush Sr., I only think of his version, the version of him on The Simpsons. <laughs> when he's basically yeah. just Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace, and he's yeah. like, this is my wife, Barr. That boy across the street is no good. I don't like that boy and his bad father. I just think of him. And yeah. It's, I just he's, think he's a, Dana a stodgy Car- old man. Is it man. Dana Carvey who does yeah. one? Like, yeah. not gonna do it. <laughs> Thousand points a lot. Stay the course. <laughs> Don't. Wouldn't it be great if like your main legacy was not you, but it was just comedic interpretations of you, and that's how you'll be remembered? Oh, that'd be I so mean, that's weird. Like every sitting president, there's so much. Not Obama. No, that's that's not true. He's there's not, nobody no, he, that does him famously, but yeah, there's a lot of comedians that'll Jordan, do an Obama. Key and Peele had a field day with him. That's true. Yeah, but but the, the more iconic thing from Key and Peele was the anger translator. It wasn't Obama himself. Yeah. Jay Farrow did a pretty good Obama impression for a little bit. It was, it was I mean, he just he wasn't as easy to make fun of as other presidents. We're like, talking about like, his right. cadence is recognizable, but it is it is formed from years of oratory. So like, it is just very like stiff and practical, right? And like over enunciating and like having that kind of like da da da. Well, he and Obama also does the uh, da da da. Like yeah. he, he does the I uh mean, pause. He's got that, but but compare yeah. that to like. Will Ferrell's George W. Bush, yeah, or, or it even, even Daryl Hammond's Al Gore. It and helps to have to make fun of a political person who also does silly things outside of just their their the cadence right. that it's they like, speak. Oh, Obama at. Yeah. is like kind of cool for a president and like respectable and competent yeah. at his job. He doesn't say words incorrectly <laughs> wrong t- in a way that's hilarious. He doesn't fall down Peele steps. Do the like Obama college years where he's like, let me be clear. We're gonna have a righteous ass party, and uh, there's gonna be a lot of uh, pussy there. <laughs> like just like yeah, that I think kind they of, did that. You do something right. like that. Yeah. I mean, you can like make jokes with it, yeah. but they're just. I'm just saying that there was not a an iconic comedic interpretation of him the way there is with like most other. Presidents. That's what happens when you're just a consummate LBJ. professional. You're hard to make fun of. Long yeah. Big Johnson. <laughs> And that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so this is a fancy episode, I think. Speaking of silk robes and Charlie Rose, <laughs> we're sitting. Everyone, we're doing some housekeeping. This is misc box. We're opening up here. Yeah, and, this and, is right, a bonus and, and rummaging through. So just everyone, get a nice uh, crystal snifter <laughs> and pour yourself a glass of Chablis. It better be a crystal <laughs> snifter. <laughs> Pour yourself a tall, brimming glass of Chablis and uh, put your feet up. Put your best gramophone record on and uh, make sure it's got extra crackles. Also, I, I hope that you follow us on Twitter at HeartHeartNet because earlier today, as of recording, which will for you be maybe two days ago, I tweeted out links to all the stuff we're covering today where you can watch them for free on different streaming services. Oh, yeah. So, so guys, you can be caught up on this one. I mean, Look, y- y- you can spare three minutes to watch a Marco Polo commercial. Which Boy, is we'll it worth to. it. Yeah, we'll okay. get to it. Uh, oh, it's it, so worth your time. Uh, well, like uh, this whole endeavor, those <laughs> small videos are also fully worth your time. Yep. I mean, considering that that is a video that mostly consists of Josh and cozy sweaters with cute animals, yep. uh, on some level, yeah, that's... I mean, I'd rather watch that than... The lovers? Then the then, I, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather watch most things than, than yeah. the lovers. But anyway, guys, this is the episode where where we we fill in the gaps where mm-hmm. we've done we've done the big obvious things we've done like the major prestige TV show we've done all the feature films. But you know, like any like any actor, 
you know, Josh did smaller projects. He he worked on music videos and That's short right. films and was appeared in commercials. That's right. We are completists. We are the whole point of this podcast is to analyze and and study the entire body of work. As and, my friend uh, a friend of mine from when I was a child used to say about Final Fantasy, <laughs> getting 100% on everything, he wants to advancely beat it. That's what he used to say. <laughs> right. That's what he used to call it. So I'm saying we're advancedly beating Josh's career. So like, to give you an I'm idea, getting every Ultima weapon. Right. Like I am I'm currently, level 99. I am 95% done with the PS4 Spider-Man game. I need to get that 5% done. This episode is that 5%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah like I've, look, we beat the story mission. But we got to do some side quests. We got some side quests. We got some... Uh, I'm playing Far Cry 5 right now, so mm. I like to think we have some prepper stashes that we still need to go find. <laughs> okay, you, you've lost me. Let's just bring it back to Final <laughs> okay. Fantasy, Final Fantasy 7. Uh, we're we're, we're, we're going to get the Knights of Round summon. Yes. Uh, we we'll, fought Sin. No, Jake. That's, a, that, that, that's, that's 10. Shit. Oh, you All right, I'll, I'm, yeah, we be beat, a good... We you, beat, are you going to fire me or what? We beat Sephiroth in the crater. We're done with that. But okay. it's like, oh, maybe we got to go fight Ruby Weapon, an Emerald Weapon. Like, you know, they're not required missions, but you'll get a cool summon. And, like, there's some more Chocobo races to do. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm about to Chocobo I'm you <laughs> for being so stupid about Final Fantasy. Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well. Anyway, uh, here don't we are. ruin this nice episode by bringing in your Final Fantasy X references. Yeah, Waka Flocka Flame. <laughs> walk a walk of flame man i love there's been walk of memes that have been going out and i've been really enjoying them wait 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 jake go back to playing blitzball while, yeah. while the adults talk about josh hartnett yeah <laughs> exactly <Bitch>. jake <laughs> that's what matt provides occasionally just tossing in the word bitch just he's the jesse of the podcast i'm walter white and you can be uh i'm gus fring yeah, so no, guess, no, who, no. guess who gets to be alive only at the end? No, yeah. no, you're Walter Jr. Because you love breakfast so much. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, you, you're you going off of that. Now, I, I qualify for better characters in so many ways, but, my, but my, I, I, am, I am... You have no <laughs> idea what's going on at any point in the show until like the last second. Yeah. I am trapped by my love of breakfast, which I will not deny it is my favorite meal of the day. Your dad just keeps making you smiley face pancakes, and you're like, I guess I won't explore further. <laughs> Why you're so weird. I was, uh, Jake, Jake, you were the Red 13 of this podcast. Wait, who's Red 13? He is the, is the genetically engineered dog <laughs> in Final Fantasy Damn, VII. Damn, you, hey, you got owned. I don't want to be no Red 13. <laughs> I, actually, Red 13 is pretty cool. Oh, I want to be. No, you are no, a dog. No, he, he's, an, he's an animal, and we look down on him. Um, <laughs> Uh, Matt is Matt is the Barrett of, of the hell podcast yeah, and that he he's just angry. Big oh, so you're cloud. <laughs> oh, so you think you're cloud now? No, yeah. I, what are you saying? Um, I'm you're I'm, Tifa. I'm, I'm Aerith, and then I die. Aries, <gasps> right? Uh, no, uh, A E R I T H. Oh, is that right? Damn. But, but the thing, okay, the, now I'm embarrassed. The, the, the thing about it is because it's all translated from Japanese. They're in. She's sometimes called Aeris. Right. Okay. And sometimes called Aerith. Okay. And, uh, that's random. The important thing is no, I'm Barrett, no, and I have a big like, gun arm. I, I'm like I'm like a combination of Sid and Vincent Valentine, and okay. maybe also a bit of Cloud. It's uh, like uh, and Barrett's just and basically I'm a hound. Yeah, and you're a stupid dog. I'm a and I'm, dog. And I'm, because I I lead the podcast, and I also provide all the technical stuff. And that's true. So, 
I'm 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 like all the vital members. I'm and also then, like Jack. And then Jake's a dog. He's fun. <laughs> and uh, and Matt is is the angry guy who's there and kind of helpful sometimes. So yeah. he's Barrett. Yeah, it's your machine you're, with yo, your you're gatling gonna need, gun you're arm. Your, you're heavy, you know. Every now and again, to come in and put put the hurting on somebody. And Chris is the Sephiroth. No, <laughs> no, no. He's, no. He's, does Sephiroth have a lesser demon? Is there like a Who dumb, shitty <laughs> sort of hey, like bro. creature that you? What's fight good is you know Chris point? is going to listen to this. Of course, Chris. Well, hey, so- Chris. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jake and I saw Chris yesterday. I saw him yesterday. Oh, also, did I'm you gonna bully you? Did, you did, did Chris text you about the French people in his apartment? Oh yeah. Chris's yeah, life Chris, is Chris so had, weird. Like, a weird French, Ew, French party. <laughs> yeah. His roommate had a, bunch of, exactly. had a bunch of French friends over, and he's like, he, like in the morning he gets up and he's like walk around in his underwear brushing his teeth, and there's just like a beautiful French girl <laughs> just in his apartment. Bonjour. Yeah, Chris is like, uh, I don't know, I don't know who you yeah. are. Just. Yeah. A mouthful of toothpaste. We should we should See? a podcast just uh, where it's just Jake and I just re- recapping the stories Chris has told us about like the past week of his life. And it's just called We week. Criticize Chris. <laughs> yeah, you know, Chris is and like Hoggle at- from Ra- Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> should you need us? It's an oubliette. <laughs> 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 Chris, we love you and we appreciate you being the love love you, dog, of our podcast. But I'm going to keep being mean to you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but guys, so we're 15 minutes into this podcast. All right, let's get to our first. Run, let's just run down the list. So, guys, the way we're going to do this is chronologically, like in terms of Josh's whole career, we're going to go through each of these other projects and talk about them because we watched uh, most of them. Jake mm-hmm. has seen everything. Uh, I'm the true MVP here. Yeah. Well, mostly that you are, as we've said before, the overachiever of the podcast. Yep. And you watch some things before they stop being available on streaming services. Yeah, so that was kind of yeah. like a win by default for me. I mean, I can't really... Yeah. It's not like you guys didn't try to put in the some, effort. Some of us haven't slept in two weeks and had to watch everything this morning. <laughs> and in the elevator up here. I, I, I literally finished watching the final uh, piece of material for this podcast when I was five floors away in the elevator from Jake's apartment. That's how down to the wire (laughs) I was. And then we got here. And MVP stands for most vile person, and that's Jake. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's been fired. valuable. Jake's been fired the most times from this podcast. Yeah, But Jake also has been the one who, yeah, is also, you're the most proactive, so. Yeah. Well. Like the zit cream. I'm the one who, who schedules the episodes. I'm the one who edits the episodes. Pat. And I record them. It is true. If Pat wasn't here, we could just be meeting weekly and talking to ourselves is basically what this would be. Well, this is the whole idea of podcasts is you're hanging out with your friends. Yeah, we're here. You know, it's you're a friend here. simulator. Not like, really? That's, I, and I, that's how I consume podcasts. I don't talk to either of you outside of this room. Yeah. Oh, as no, no, soon no, no, as no, no, no. As soon as we, he uh, signs off. He, he never looks us in the eyes again. He just quietly packs everything and leaves. It's, well, it's in the contract he made us sign. Yeah, it no is eye weird contact. Because Matt list. and I live together, yeah. and so that can be an issue sometimes. Yeah, but uh, but that's that's usually it. And I, the whole reason I insist on doing this podcast is so I can experience friendship. <laughs> I don't know how otherwise. Yeah, Pat needs an extremely uh, curated experience of human interaction that largely has some sort of product at the end of it. That he could potentially even monetize, and that's sort of how he views <laughs> exactly. uh, his social life. Yeah. I, how else can you evaluate social currency and interchange? Except by making it real currency. Except by yeah, <laughs> making it straight up cheddar. Yeah, cash. I 
I do remember having a realization. I think it was like near the end of high school, something like that, where I, I was like, "Wait, am I the bad? Like, 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 am I the like? I, am I just the villain of my friends' lives?" <laughs> but no, I realized, like, like, wait, like, am I? Yes. Are all these movies I'm making with all my friends? Like, I'm like, I realize I almost never hang out with my friends outside of making movies. Am I just making movies as an a way to see my friends where there's, it's like, am I afraid that they won't hang out with me if there is not a task to complete? <laughs> like, we'll all just be standing around listlessly, like our arms, swinging our arms back and forth and just like, huh? Uh, and just talk about the weather. What's yeah, up, it's like, like nothing uh, do, do, to guys, say. Do you, do you want to just... Uh, I don't know to just like spend time together in like a casual way without like a like a purpose behind. It. Do you like beer? <laughs> do you like nachos? Listen, what we do at those moments of clarity is uh, we get through them, we push them down, and we forget about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, that's how you deal with stuff like that. Right. Th- these these are questions to uh to ask my therapist if I ever get one. Yeah. Yes. So, but for now. We're, we're talking, talking about, about Josh Hartnett. <laughs> no, we're not talking about debutante. We're talking about Cracker. Crackers for before crackers debutante? Crackers first. Yes. Crackers we first debutante We are discussing later. the 16-episode the American crime drama called Cracker, which is a remake of the, the famous, the more famous British crime drama of the same name, starring Robbie Coltrane that lasted for three seasons in the early to mid-90s. This was the American remake that was far less successful and was canceled. And I will, we should say here, so Josh is a regular cast member, but we only watched the first two episodes. Yeah. yeah. So in a way, yeah, so admittedly, we... I guess now we're, we're revealing ourselves we have not watched everything with Josh. We did not watch 14 of the episodes Listen, of the we show. made a big deal about being a completionist and advancedly beating Josh's career. <laughs> and immediately showed that we and were lying to you. <laughs> Maybe we immediately contradicted ourselves, <laughs> but I'm not watching 14 more episodes of Cracker. They're like 40 minutes long, and I, it's mostly about the, the, it, the Cracker guy. <laughs> it's mostly about the titular Cracker. Yeah. Okay, so... We and and also unlike Penny Dreadful, Josh is not like the lead of the show. No, he no. he was such a, a, a he was you know one of the three leads of Penny Dreadful. He was such a key cast member. He's and a so, damsel in distress in this one. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and the first two episodes, I really feel like like these first two episodes pretty much tell you everything you need to know because you know this was Josh's first real role after moving to Hollywood. Yeah, uh, he was in this TV show, which is a formulaic kind of procedural type show. Yeah, and uh, you know he's cast as the 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 main character's teenage son. Yeah, and you get and then the show ended, and then he was picked up for movies right away, and so you get a sense of of what he's doing on the show. I. I don't think we would learn a lot more about him. Yeah, if, if we, we saw the, other the remaining fourteen episodes of this quickly canceled. Well, if you series. do watch the, watch the rest of the show, please tell us if we're missing anything important. It, it is on the, Amazon Prime, so yeah, get on. And it's it. not actually even that bad. It's like, not. Yeah. I would be curious. I've also never seen the British one. You know, starring Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, yep. and AKA Robbie Coltrane Hagrid. is a great actor, and like that show was much loved when it was airing it's it, it's considered one of the great british television shows yes. ever i think the bbc ranked it the 39th best british television show okay so i don't know so exactly like what was uh tweaked and altered for america and american audiences like i don't know well it's no longer set in manchester england it's set, okay it's set well in I, la okay fat <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Fitz Fitzgerald from Manchester, England. Okay, uh, so 
I want to say some things about this yeah. because hey, I knew there was a I'm show from called England over here. <laughs> Hey, my goots. <laughs> I knew there was a show called Cracker that Josh was in. And when I hear that... It is I hear, the worst title for yes, a TV and, show. And when I hear that a show is called Cracker, I assume <laughs> it is meant as the derogatory term used for white people. Yeah. Right. Like the show's about some milquetoast mayo-ass cracker. <laughs> right. Or it's about, like, I don't know, like racial tensions in Los Angeles. Yeah, in the in the it, streets of LA. It's not about that at all. Cracker is meant to be like a mean like case cracker like yeah, for, it's a, for crimes. <laughs> and here's the thing, maybe that is a term in the UK. I've never heard that in the US. Yeah, you would ne- if somebody was good at solving crimes, you would never be like you're a cracker. <laughs> you're so good at solving crimes you that, that that the best way to describe you is with the word cracker or just call it case cracker call it solver or like at least you have alliteration or figure <laughs> well okay figure, figure out figure well, out guy you know, i think i think uh something related to this is that this show solver. this show has had two other titles yeah saltine Yes, uh, so oh it, it was originally it was originally released as Cracker, yeah. but when it aired in the UK, because they already have a show called Cracker, which is basically the same show, they retitled it Fitz, F-I-T-Z, which is the main character's name. I like Better that. title for the show. It's like a monk sort of pre- Yeah. Right. That, I mean, that tells you a lot more about it. The show's yeah. about that guy. Right. Cracker is confusing is. and Fitz. misleading. And it was also... Uh, I, I think, like, just, like, re-released in, in America or, like, re-aired with the title Cracker, colon, mm-hmm. Mind Over Murder. Yeah. Now, now we're talking. Which yep. also is them realizing, oh, people don't know what it is if it's called Cracker. Let's stick a subtitle on it. Well, okay, so do you, does anyone know, like... Also, I was going to say, Mind Over Murder, also just a better, better title. Better title. That tells you a lot yeah. more. Mind, was the British one, uh, like, was was he still named... Fitz. Yes. Was he still a psychologist who had a thousand jobs? I think that's probably all of those okay. general details okay. are the same. So the first is the two parter like the same opener as the original series? Well, yes, because at the end credits of this show, at least for the first two episodes we watched, I think there is based on a, the there's a, a line that says based on the episode whatever yes. from the original series. I think okay. I think I'm I'm really I am <clears throat> genuinely curious how much uh, is carried over. How much has changed? If it's like a, yeah. it, if it's like a, a an American Office thing where the pilot is like almost a shot for shot remake. Interesting. That would yeah. put Josh then again thematically to like what we've sort of noticed. At least like, if not in successes, in uh, like premonitions of of what will then be later become a more common practice. Right. And uh, and there. I'm, I'm trying to think of the the, the history classy British shows yeah, being made into the history American of, versions, right? Yeah. Of of British shows coming over to America, and because I'm also thinking of um they, in terms of uh, British crime dramas from the '90s, I, I remember when they remade uh, Prime Suspect, the Helen Mirren show uh, in mm. the U.S., and that was in like the I think maybe maybe around like 2000. 10 or so and that was also a canceled in one season thing i didn't realize helen mirren had a full show oh yeah UK. helen mirren started in a very famous crime drama as like she a detective had, for several seasons yeah. really She's had a fruitful career when for was that so show long. the think, original uh, uk one i think the 90s nice yeah well i'm helen like, mirren like, like they're just you know how they're just like now kind of slowly allowing scandinavian like 
crime stuff oh, to yeah, like they, get its own version here. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm blanking on like examples, but I guess like, let the right one in is a Scandinavian movie that came over. You know, but there, there are uh, like Scandinavian, like and especially I think I believe Swedish, yeah. like television shows mm. are uh, they. They're not like huge successes over here, but they they're available here and they're critical successes. And Got then it. and uh, like Borgen yeah. is is a big one. And then the woman who's the star Borgen? Of, of Borgen was uh, she was part of the cast of Westworld season one. She was the one who has the relationship with Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, and so yeah, so there's like the Joe Nesbo, isn't he like one of the writers of like murder mysteries or something? I I could be just oh, like I believe did Joe Nesbo write the novel The Snowman? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I think yeah, maybe, that yeah, Norwegian. Also, I'm looking it up. Uh, yeah, uh, Prime Suspect. It's there are seven seasons of it with Hel- Helen Mirren. Uh, sorry, Helen Mirren. Of course, seven seasons of a British show probably means there's like six episodes per season. Right. And uh, and they just it, it went from ninety one to two thousand six. They would just do them like every wow. few years or so. All I was getting at though here. was just like with Cracker. Uh, this felt a little bit like an event you have you have a lot of what would turn out to be like top tier talent in the show like and it it clearly is a you know crime procedural but it's got the sheen of a, a little bit more of like the prestige tv to it and you know fits himself uh, who's the act? what's the actor's name again robert pastorelli robert pastorelli who is pretty good like he's definitely fun to watch so I uh, my my take on Robert Pastorelli, who is you know he's in like his late forties. Yeah. He's a he's a kind of I mean he, you know he's like a a a very he's like a complicated protagonist who's not like the most moral person who's who's kind of like a, a bit of a fuck up but like also really good at certain things. Sure, yeah, and uh, kind of rough around the edges. Uh, I, the vibe I got from him is kind of like an Italian off-brand Elliot Gould. Yes, that's exactly who I was thinking of was Elliot Gould. I, th- I thought he was just channeling that, basically. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he's smoking cigarettes and he's torturedly genius, but he's a, yeah, he's a fuck-up. Okay, and so, so can we—I want to go through the different things we learned about this guy because it's confusing. Like, Matt and I were watching this together, and every, <laughs> like, 15 minutes we'd be like— Wait, he has another job? That was yeah. That was the question. That's why I was wondering how cl- closely they did a remake. Essentially, I was like, is it as poorly revealed his multi his his many different pursuits and jobs as it is in in this? Because okay, let's damn. lay this out right here. That is true. So it's the, like Hollywood homicide. Op- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. too many side jobs on top of being a police officer. And like one of them revealed really conveniently out of nowhere to like further the plot. Which yeah. is like a okay. Wait, 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 let's go in order. Yeah, and I, I also maintain that the show could have just been called "The Man with Four Jobs." <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, uh, honestly, still better than Cracker. Yeah. So, opening scene: he is a psychologist, and he is uh, just has a patient there that that he's meeting with for one of her sessions. Right. Okay. I'm like, all right, this is a show about a psychologist. But he's like a down and out psychologist. Like he's like a yeah low rent one. You. He's a low rent psychologist. Uh, his rates are a hundred dollars an hour, and th- this woman leaves after half a session, gives him fifty bucks, and he's like, look, you can't do that, but she does. <laughs> anyway, then the next scene, he is giving a he's a college professor. He's giving a lecture yep. in, in a in a, a college class, uh-huh. and uh, and you're and, like, okay, two jobs. 
okay. The end, I'll, right? I'll buy it, you know. Fine. We also, I will say, we learn later that he is a guest lecturer, and this is not his main gig, but it seems like it is when we first encounter yeah, it. Yeah, he works right. in like a, a, you know, maybe like a, at a community college or something. It would still explain his strapped for cash kind of needing to hustle two jobs nature. Because right. before right. he lectures, we see that he's got, you know, a, a, a strained, estranged, a uh, strained marriage with a wife and a new kid, and they don't have any money. Yes, correct. And uh, and but also, it's not clear that this is a guest lecture. It just seems like that he's just teaching his yeah, class. A, he is a teacher. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then, <laughs> and then suddenly, and then there is there's a murder. Uh, a, a body is dumped, and then. Uh, you know, all the, like the cops show up at at the crime scene. They're investigating his, and he pulls up as well. And Listening like, to classical music, yep, because yep. he's a smart guy. He's a savant, and and I'm I'm watching this. And I'm like, what? And he waits for the wh- movement. And wh- why is he... a college professor psychologist Ugh. with quirks? Going to this crime scene because he's the best they got. He's so yeah. fucking smart. He just does everything. He says, "Right, they're like Fitz. We're glad you made it." And he's like, "Up, up, 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 up." Shostakovich needs to finish his movement. And then he fits. And oh, then there's like the okay, classic. What you he winds up his window. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the cops are like, "Classic Fitz." Like Fitz they're like they like lovingly his... are get exasperated. But it's confusing because it's like, why is this guy here? Is is this his like? It's maybe he, okay. It's one thing for him to be an outside consultant, like yeah. for instance, uh, like on the show Hannibal, like what Hannibal Lecter was. He was a psychiatrist uh, who would also be a consultant for certain cases. Right, but, but he's like a forensic scientist too, because he does the like the work. He doesn't just do like a he's looking at, at like, like the wounds and markings on the body. Yeah, he's he's contradicting the like correcting the coroner, or, like the guy, yeah. like the p- guy who's he's like got went his to medical fingers school. in every aspect of this police yeah, procedure. He's kind of a fucking dick. Like he yeah. just shows up and he's like smoking cigarettes and he's like just being smarter than everybody. Yeah. And then we also learn classical music. We learn that this is actually <laughs> his main gig as right. like this sort of uh, like psychological like or like criminal consultant. Uh, like he's like kind of like a detective profiler guy. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually his main gig. And the other things that the two thing the two different careers we saw him doing first are side gigs. Yep. So it seems weird to reveal them in this order, especially without like just giving us an idea of him doing all these multiple. Things. I know, especially in the first episode of the show. Right. It seems like like every scene he is at a new job. Yep. And it's it's weird. Also, one of the detectives that he's working with is Mariska Hargitay, yeah. uh, who I guess I guess the lesson here is that she has only ever played it's detectives. only cops. <laughs> and, uh, well, she's like 20 years younger, and I didn't even recognize her at first. But what's funny is, so we watched the first two episodes. Right. And it's kind of like a, a two-parter. Like, there is to be continued at the end of part one. Mm-hmm. But they were, this is clearly the usual case with a TV show where they made a pilot, and then it got picked up, and they went and made the rest of the season because... Mariska Hargitay seems like she's going to be one of the core cast members right. and then is not in episode two. Blammo, she's and, gone. Uh, and she is immediately replaced. Well, <laughs> I looked it up and 
the same year as Cracker, she becomes a regular cast member on ER. Honestly, was, Bale, good move, you know? I mean, that really was... Really good move, yeah. Like, she might only be on maybe, like, 16 episodes of that show in season four, but it was the biggest show on TV at the time. Yeah. yeah. So, smart move. Good for her. But, like, immediately, this other detective shows up and is like, yeah, like... like I'm like, her. Like, no, 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 no she's <laughs> not her. No, she, she's like, yeah, like, uh, Hatfield had to go, I'm here now. Oh, yeah, I yeah, love yeah, yeah, those yeah. lines it's, that it's, are just there to, Hatfield in one quick line, right. change an obvious real life discrepancy that like, now you're seeing on screen she's replaced with another female detective of the same age and also I got a haircut and plastic surgery anyways what were we doing at this crime <laughs> yeah. and, and you can yeah. tell that the, okay. that the writers were like I oh different. well here's this opportunity since we have to introduce a new character suddenly who's like a main cast member that uh, that we didn't think to do with Mariska Hargitay's character what if this other female detective had an affair with Fitz because well, they, 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 he's so ear Irascible. Irascible. They went. They they kind of went half cocked in the first episode because there's clearly like sexual tension with yeah. Mariska. Like, oh, we're gonna have this rapport where like Fitz kind of just like, uh, you know, kind of inappropriately flirts with her, you know, while being a genius about knowing about crime. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, but then, so then in the next like part two of the pilot, essentially, it's just like she's gone. There's this blonde lady, and she d- had sex with Fritz. <laughs> Fritz yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and so so there's that. And then there's a part where like more than halfway through the episode, one of the detectives calls him. Oh, also, uh, they're like the the police captain is Arlie Ermy. Of Full Metal Jacket fame. Yeah. Uh, but really, his greatest role is as the voice of the army man in the Toy Story films. <laughs> so so he's there. Oh, also, this was actually just two years after he was the police captain in Seven. He was a police captain in Seven, too? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. played the same guy for his whole life. He never agreed to get rid of his crew cut. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> no, so he, he will only play authority figures. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but no, no he's, he's like even dressed the same as he is in Seven. <laughs> he's, he's basically like the same character. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman's boss. Right, right, right. And, um, and so, so he's there as well. And then there's also a thing where, actually, no, I don't even need to get into, we don't need to go into too much detail. Yeah. But the important thing, Oh, okay. I realize I'm, I'm getting all mixed up here. There is uh, there, one of the other detectives make calls Fitz like Mr. Radio or some some like radio thing. And I'm like, oh, what right, are right. you talking yeah. about? Mr. I was radio. Like, I was like, no way. And then. Cut to. And then they cut to revealing he hosts a weekly call-in radio show. <laughs> that like Picks is like 106. That is like well-established yeah. too. Like he's been doing it for years. And he's yeah. like the famous... Well, uh, he also has like has like books out. He's like you know, sort of a celebrity. The radio show yeah. is called "Fits in Your Face." Yeah, <laughs> ew. And like, uh, the, which is what he's been doing to like title. every woman. Uh, but like, <laughs> and, uh, well, it, it's like for instance, when it's in your ear holes. When, I'm about to fit. When they strategically like to try to catch this, there's there's a serial killer who was also obsessed with him and like mailing him love letters yeah. and played by special guest star. Sarah, Sarah Paulson. Paulson, everybody. Sarah, young Sarah Paulson yeah, is in it. Who'd have thought? And uh, and then she she catch she seduces and imprisons Josh and tries to kill him. But we got to talk about our boy. Oh yeah, we got to talk about we his intro talk about to our boy because the public consciousness ever so, shot. So this is Josh's first on screen role, and the first Michael Fitzgerald, son of Greg Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Josh's first ever. The Sorry, re- Jerry Fitzgerald. The reveal of Josh Joshua Hartnett on screen 
is so incredible, especially yeah. going back to the very beginning after watching his entire filmography. Yep. Matt, you want to describe it? Uh, so Jerry Fitzgerald is harried. Harry Jerry Fitzgerald comes home. <laughs> And he's like, oh, blah, blah. and his, his wife is nagging him, and he's just like, where's Michael? Or, like, whatever. He's, like, looking around. Where's my boy? So then he unceremoniously rips open the door to the bathroom. Bam. First ever shot of Josh. He's got his pants down. He's taking a big shit, and he's talking on a big 90s cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> it is incredible. It is so good. Do you remember his first line? Is it like, Dad! What is it? I don't know. The dad's I like, I was laughing too hard to remember. The dad's like, or Fitzgerald's like, you gotta, he has a cell phone and then he responds in some way. Yeah. Poo faster, son. Oh, also, <laughs> push it out. Also, he, he then shows up in the kitchen so soon after. Matt was like, hey, he didn't have time to wipe and yeah. wash his hands and all that. <laughs> no, he's got yeah. a dirty booty and, yeah. he's, and he's ready for some flapjacks. <laughs> it's, uh, he got a stanky old poop hole and he's eating flapjacks. And he's ravenous for flapjacks. Yeah. Also, the Not best thing about more. Josh's character, other than his introduction, <laughs> is that so he's like he's seventeen years old. Yeah. And he has a job at the mall working at like a, a Mex- Chipotle like knockoff kind yeah, of. Yeah, a Chipotle knockoff where everyone has to basically dress like a, like a mariachi. Yes. Wearing so silly hats. Just in a big hat with those like weird dangly balls. <laughs> and so so you've got Josh serving burritos in a mariachi costume and it's great. And and uh and so like every time Josh shows up, I am just losing my shit. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's it going to find Josh Hartnett's first ever role. This could not deliver any better than it does. <laughs> I know it's great. It's got everything. Yeah, and then uh, and then there's a part where Josh's dad, who he has, a, Fitz has a strange relationship with everybody. Yeah, and well, it's he's all, just so dark. Yeah, you he's know? twisted, and he thinks about like he's he's Jared Leto's the Joker meets <laughs> Fraser Crane. <laughs> that's a good pitch for a movie. <laughs> he's a little bit though uh, McConaughey from. True, uh, true detective. Well, I was about to. I was actually going to bring up that point, which is like part of what like is both annoying and funny about the show is is the writerly aspects of it. Like yep. the the things uh, that Fitz says, especially when he's like really getting into his job and working hard and trying to like psychoanalyze someone right. or, or like like uh, interrogate them. You know, when he's not just wisecracking, but he's finally like getting down to it. Like, what is this life? Like spinning the, molecules in the universe that doesn't care is a yeah, black just void. Like, we like are fucking, spinning on a speck of dust, and we are dust ourselves. What if, <laughs> like, like, like it's calm yeah, down. like chill. Like he says, <laughs> existential so much. Like it's just it does remind me of Rust Cole, and the only reason I liked True Detective season one is you, is you just got to like take it as like. like Less seriously than you know, Nick Pizzerito or whatever his name is. is Pizzolatto. Take, Pizzolatto is taking it. Pizzeria. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and so like with Cracker, like Fitz is like a very similar mouthpiece. It feels like for this person, for whoever wrote it, uh, to just get out, kind of like their pretensions. A well, bit. we're also watching this show that came out in 1997 with all of the baggage of. You know, the past years 20 years of, of crime shows. Of crime shows and parodies of crime shows. So it's weird to watch a show like this that probably came out when more people were willing to swallow this sort of stuff without any grain of salt. Well, this also has the Dr. House thing, too. Yeah, where but it's pre-house. Like, it's not, you know, That's what I mean, though. It's like, I mean, it's like a prototype for a bunch of shit, 
like yeah. the anti-hero notion was already happening because the Sopranos was airing, right? Uh, no, the, the Sopranos I think I think started maybe like the following year. But so in terms of just TV crime shows. The big things were in the 90s with NYPD Blue and Homicide, Life on the Street. Homicide is such a good show, by the way. I've, really? I've never yeah. seen it. Worth checking out. I, uh, I, I've always heard great things about it. I should yeah. watch it at some point. Anyway. and uh, but, but those shows were, were a more sort of, they were like a more like morally gray, kind of like, like grittier, kind, more, more realistic kind right. of TV show. Sure, yeah. like, like you had like David Simon and Milch like working on them, mm-hmm. that kind of Milch. thing. Milch. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Just a funny name. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, and so that was kind of, that, that changed. Those were big shifts from the traditional kind of like upstanding heroic cop show. Right. And then this kind of, yeah, it is part of that shift in TV toward the like, like a tortured genius who yeah. like solves crimes and stuff like that. I can't like, like, but like when you're listening to stock classical music while you smoke a cigarette and you have to wait until the movement has ended and there it is. And now I am ready to be smart. There's a, a process officers before one enters the scene of a crime when one must fully get their mental faculties in order and I need to finish the end of the movement. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's really like annoying. a rascal. Like you're, that's what you're supposed to feel. But he loves classical music. But he's a tough guy too, because he has this sort of. He's eh, Italian. I'm, I'm Jerry Fitzgerald, and I'm just rough around the edges. You're gonna have to deal with it not until the not until Chopin is over. But not I do until like Chopin. Is I over. liked the casting choice. Just yeah. like again, you just have to like take your expectations down a few notches and laugh at the occasionally like very stupid references to like Shakespeare and stuff yeah. in this episode. Right, and just be like, the actor's pretty good though. Like, yeah, he's, he's like a pretty watchable dude. Robert Pastorelli, yeah. Yeah. Actually, all the acting is pretty good. Yeah. There's I, I no like, like, really Sarah bad Paulson's acting. Sarah Paulson's a lot of fun. As, She's fun. As, like, the, sort of the, the crazy woman who's in love with him and, keeps yeah. him and is, like, killing his students. And it's funny because yeah. Sarah Paulson has played just weird, creepy women now for at least the couple things that I've, like— I'm aware of her. Like, well, she she always seems nervous, and she has really large eyes. So she's good at playing people who are like intense and anxious, and like, well, she's cute is kind yeah. of the way to describe her. Like, so, like, like that's like they, but they instead of just being cast as as that, she seemed to have gotten, which is probably preferable, the role of someone who is she gets a lot of surface level cute, but is like actually incredibly evil roles. Well, like she's twelve she, years a slave. Twelve years a slave, and then yeah. like I think she's an American Horror Story. No, I think no. Well, the thing is, she uh, in the way that is has like been great for a lot of like women over forty. Uh, Ryan Murphy likes working with her, and as much as I don't lo- like a lot of Ryan Murphy's work, he has a whole TV empire, and so he keeps. <laughs> Uh, just giving her like like lots and lots and lots of work with like with some interesting roles in there, like yeah. her on the OJ show, which like was, mm, she yeah, was yeah, fantastic yeah. there, and uh, and so she's in like so in like American Horror Story and American Crime Story and like just ev- all the things that Ryan Murphy is involved. Sarah Paulson in. was in I think What Women Want as well, just to throw in another thing there. She was. <laughs> I'm literally looking yes. at her filmography right I, now. I, I am her also and doing Judy the same Greer thing. like. Uh, and yeah, it, she's actually in very very few movies. I'm looking at. Anyways, yeah, like like TV, like especially it was in uh, 2011 that she first started working with Ryan Murphy on American Horror Story, and then since then it's just it is like eight. It's like yeah, it's like eight seasons of American Horror Story. She's got Little House she, of Horrors. She's got Feud, Betty and Joan. She's got The People versus O.J. Simpson. It's like almost all Ryan Murphy shit. 
but then, but then even like but then like her movie profiling like increases well with like 12 years a slave oceans 8 the post right. like a lot of stuff so but she's the big bad in the first two seasons episodes of cracker yeah she yeah. plays a former uh patient of jerry fitzgerald who has fallen madly and psychotically in love with him right and is now murdering tons of people these sort of analogs for her own father and also jerry fitzgerald well, because we there's a lot of psychoanalyzing the, 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 of her character yeah and she was not abused by her dad but her two sisters were there's and a it's bizarre psychological psychosexual we learned the important lesson here that um a lack of abuse is, is what bad. <laughs> is what leads to uh to people becoming crazy and, and murdering people it's, so it's, parents yeah. uh so abuse your kids if you want them to turn out okay well i'm yeah. well can we talk about the diagnosis just for a minute sure and, and and then and then we should say a few more things about josh and then move on yes yeah. okay i'm sorry but i'm just this is the longest thing out of all the stuff oh by far by a long time we spent 90 minutes watching cracker and uh like 30 and and and, and watching everything else. 30, everything 30 else. seconds to 10 minutes watching everything else so sarah paulson like, you know, obviously the, the show's climax for this two-parter is, like, leading up to just, like, her discovery and, and, and you know, Fitz. He, he's smoking and his fucking, don't you ever hurt my son. son His son's captured. Oh, yeah. Wait, she seduces and, uh, and imprisons Josh and hooks him up to her murder contraption, which <laughs> is, we, we have to say this, handcuffs them, usually naked, to, uh, a, to a bed and then attaches like electrodes a, a, to the bed. Well, she like she puts she puts conductive like flu- jumper like, cables fluid jumper cables. on their on their wrists and legs so that they uh, create a, a circuit and they a circuit and then she connects their leg and their whatever their like upper body and it runs through their heart and kills them. Much the way uh, 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 Elijah Wood's character in Ice Storm dies. Oh yeah, that Same poor little boy gets like electrocuted. Making a circuit by like touching both hands on the on the rail without right. grounding yourself. Um, so she's got a half new Josh circuit on the And Josh bed. gets to pull out a pretty decent performance of being scared. Like he gets he to flex a bit in the in the show for that yeah. bit, and it's it's pretty good. Um, but so okay, Sarah Paulson, really quick, right? So they profile her at the end, obviously. She's all crazed in mascara running. She is one of three sisters. Her handsome accountant father apparently uh, sexually abused her older sister and her younger sister. But not her. And, but not her. And this is like the weird crux of her issue is like this sense of ultimate rejection from her father who she's now also confusing sort of sexual, you know, intimacies for love. And at first Fitz is like, this is a classic, you know, you you know, people buy mortgage their houses off of shit like this is so normal. Yeah, like, he's like, this is the one of the most typical like, cases you come with. You have like the- mega middle child syndrome mixed with molestation, where it's like, am I not good enough? So now I look for father figures that also double as like people that I want to kill, lovers. Yeah, uh, but then I get pissed and murder when them. they like do what they're supposed to do. So, or act the typical bad boy behavior that she that somehow ends up as a betrayal. Well, I don't in her get mind. it. It's yeah. like if she's looking for like an unhealthy older father figure to like be a sex partner with, as part of like the reaction to not being molested. But also she hates it. But also she has an inferiority complex, which makes her prey on younger men, so she can feel intellectually superior to the fact that they want to fuck her whenever she seduces them. 
as like a indication of their failure. But then still the entire time she meets these people that she courts, um, has sexual intimacy with and then murders still holds Jerry Fitzgerald as the paragon of all people that he needs. She needs to be in a long, the longest lasting relationship because with. she because saw he's him like the apex daddy. Because as she described, she saw him have like a mental breakdown yeah. for, during a class lecture where he's just talking about his, how he hates his wife or something. Yeah, And she's like, I see you and you're trapped and in she's your marriage. Like, I want to wow, help you. You're different. And then, yep. and then, so she just starts killing people. Yeah. And like, it doesn't have to make sense, you know. You can always just fudge it and say she's crazy. But like, you know, for and something also she wants to get his attention somehow by doing the thing that his job is based around, right? Yeah, because she's like imprinted on him as like the ultimate like male figure to be this person. But she's not even like sexually interested in him so much as like she just wants to be seen and understood. And, this is why this show and is... she wants a diagnosis from him. Yeah, it's so it's so. Bad and it's naughty. And it's naughty and it's so extreme to be a psychologist. This is why we were comparing the show a little bit to House, though, too, which is just every right. episode is probably. If I had to guess, we haven't watched the other fourteen episodes, but if every House episode is the same is like shit this, every season, every episode, Don't each worry. episode of Cracker, I'm gonna guess, is based around a certain particular kind of textbook abnormal psychology case study, right? You where you have the, the weirdest, DSM most sick, like, twisted <laughs> yeah. thing, and then Cracker slowly figures out <laughs> which 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 crazy. Thing. He's like, oh no, we Cracker have. Uh, cracking it. Yeah. <laughs> he's cracking it and uh and he's like oh which crazy abnormal psych case do we have here from cracking my psychology open. 101 textbook and he's right. like, oh, oh this one we have uh uh oh what's the one where you're the mom and you have to poison your daughter or whatever you know that one? Oh yeah uh uh shoot yeah well anyways that kind of stuff munchausen syndrome yes munchausen by proxy by pro- munchausen by proxy yeah. yeah that kind of stuff and so she's like and each episode is just like, oh, let's see what new weird thing he figures yeah. out. So Sarah Paulson goes through all this shit and eventually Fitz is like, you want to know the secret? Your dad could just tell you were going to squeal. Yeah. Like, you're, you're because strong. he's a predator and like those guys tend to be able to like read children. And then she just like is in jail. And so it just, just kind of. Yeah. Also, I, I do want to <laughs> so just bring up Robert Pastorelli because I was like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, he said, uh, yeah, because I was, I was like, I don't really know this actor. And uh, and then I looked him up and I was like, oh, it's this is really why I, I don't know him. So it's almost like something that would happen to it's like an episode of Cracker. <laughs> it is kind of. Though, yeah, I mean, honestly. for real. So two years after a Cracker premiered in 1999, uh, Robert Pastorelli's uh, his. Uh, his his girlfriend, who was half his age, who was twenty five years old, uh, d- died of a gunshot wound to the head in his house. That yep. uh, he was exonerated of this, and it was he said that that uh, during an argument she took out a gun and shot herself. Yeah, and that was that. But then after, even though he was uh, exonerated of any responsibility for her death, uh, his it's a, his. Uh, this is again just from Wikipedia. His career went into a noticeable decline. I and wonder so, why. Yeah, so it's yeah. like yeah. there's well, such a clear picture here. There, uh, like you know, there's no proof, but like if like this guy maybe having have potentially murdered his girlfriend. Right. Uh, let's not cast him. And then, or at least at the very least, you know, best case scenario, he watched someone commit suicide in front of him, and right. is now like not. So that's the best case scenario. And, yeah. But then, uh, oh, kind of interestingly, up. he developed a friendship with Glenn Close toward the end of his career. He got close. Glenn Close. Yep. Damn it. And damn, he beat me to it. And then in 2004, More like friend Close. 
And then in 2004, he died of a drug overdose in his home. Oh, wow. Well, surprise, they reopened surprise. the murder case, they, too, and, and they qualified were, him as a prime suspect yes, again. Yes, and, and they were, uh, he was, he, he was being, uh, was it, uh, he was being warned that they were going to arrest him for further questioning. Yeah. And then, before he could be arrested, he tried him. What, uh, he met a real-life cracker. <laughs> he got cracked. What did he OD on? Uh, just says no narcotics. narcotics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's Cracker. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just throw a quick amount Moving of... Moving on. We'll just throw some quick aspersions on that dead guy really quick before we move on. <laughs> maybe yep. maybe he kills your girl. He probably did. Anyway, that's Cracker. <laughs> anyway, here's a short film. Sounds like kind of like a piece of shit. Anyway, Cracker. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Because Hope you're halfway done with your glass of Chablis. <laughs> we, because we have a short film to talk about that, that, that appeared... Uh, Matt, why are you talking about coffee on mic? <laughs> you want to burp while you're at it? All right, let's keep going then, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. And because in 1998, which was Josh's big year, that was the year of Halloween Water and the Faculty. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. He also appeared in, a, in an 11-minute long short film called Debutante that was written and directed by Molly Jones. Yes. And what's interesting about this movie is Molly Jones had some real good casting instincts because yeah. she got Josh and the star of the short film, Selma Blair, yeah. right before they each like popped yeah. in, in Hollywood. And uh, yeah. I was looking at Selma Blair's filmography and like, uh, she's in had like smaller roles and things like can't hardly wait mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. And then the following year she's in cruel intentions. And I think that's what kind of like, Oh yeah. Begins, uh, her ascent, her ascent into the movies of the Hellboy franchise, her ascent into godhood. Yeah, Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yeah. <laughs> Ron Perlman in a home star voice for anybody that couldn't hear what Matt said. Um, yeah. What do you think of this movie overall? I thought it was, I thought it was, it was fine. I like I liked not there's not a lot going on. It's basically about this kind of listless young woman who uh, is supposed to go to have dinner with her parents but kind of wants to hang out with her friends and go to a party. And but it, it's it's more about I feel like like the tone and just the vibe it's a of tone it. Tone poem. <laughs> oh. don't, don't you don't, don't you dare say tone guys poem. Guys, it's a tone poem. Also, also, as anyone tone who follows poem. who follows Jake on Twitter at Jr. Torpy would know, uh, Jake has a particular problem with the with the, the term tone poem. Freddie's movie review. <laughs> tone poem. Jake, you, Jake, you want to talk about tone poems? I just don't like it. I mean, yeah, it's just stupid. It's just like, hey, stop it. Don't say tone poem. <laughs> It's just annoying. It's like, oh, it's 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 just like anybody that's like the movie doesn't have a plot, but they still like the movie, and they're just like, it's a tone poem. <laughs> All right, we get it. Come up with more words and describe it better. Yeah. Anyways, um, I feel you there. So, I was joking, just trying to get his goat. It's a tone poem to angst or something. You know, it's like, All right. it's like ten minutes long. Like, I liked it. It felt like something Sofia Coppola could have yeah. directed yeah. when it she did. was but making it, student films. It had nice cinematography. Yeah. And the cinematographer has gone on to have a. a successful career as like mostly like a tv cinematographer yeah. but for like legit shows yeah. yeah it's a good it looked good uh it, it felt it had, good <laughs> uh, uh josh is josh is an attractive dude yeah that i uh, that is i guess is part of selma blair's group of friends and they hook up at a party it has they a go great, to a motel it's it a has party. a great late 90s indie soundtrack the soundtrack might have been my favorite yeah, part it's banging i love that song that that uh josh and selma blair were dancing to yeah that was oh, fun. yeah that was some solid just like 
you know, uh, whatever, like breakbeat kind yeah. of like '90s music. It was good. Right. Jo- Josh then, gets some like terse dialogue. He just sort of is, like lurks behind her. Well, people barely as a say it's happening. There's very little dialogue. Yeah. In this. And he's like, "Hey, yeah." Also, what are you up to? also, did Selma Blair just hallucinate hooking up with Josh? Was that par- in- implied? No, I think she hooks up with him and then just sees him sort of later late yeah yeah you're right like did they because they have sex and then she sees him making out later with another girl at the party it's like did right. this all happen while the party was I going thought on she maybe was in a fantasy and then went to go like live that fantasy or like she was fantasizing so much she's like damn and she went back and then oh. he was making out with some other chick and that then might be she true. left and just like was like oh wow my life's a bust whether yeah. i go to my parents dinner thing or not yeah, yeah. i will say it also it has that look of the time period back when, back when little short films were shot on film, yeah, and and were not all just shot on like DSLRs. Yeah, as they it are looks now. really cool, doesn't it? it? Yeah. yeah, washed out colors and exactly kind of I mean, dreamy. I mean, like it's funny. This came out a year before the Virgin Suicides. Yeah, another uh, you know kind of like dreamy, hazy uh, film. Do you think Sofia Coppola was aware of this? And was like, I do this look, basically. Probably. I'll get this guy. I, it's not the same cinematographer. No, I know, but I'm saying like. Oh, probably mean, not. Like, uh, almost like a screen test made by someone else. Well, I mean, yeah. this can't, uh, if The Virgin Suicides came out in 99, it would have filmed in 98, like when this came out. And she'd already hired uh, Ed Lockman, cinematographer, like for every Todd Haynes movie to shoot it. Good choice. And so I think he knows what he's doing and she doesn't have to be like, oh, but what if, what, bold choice here, but what if we went for sort of the look of this little short film called Debutante? Have you heard of Molly Jones and her work? Molly Jones also has directed one other short film. She has a weird career. Like what happened? Molly, did you get bored and just decide not to pursue filmmaking? Did you try unsuccessfully you could, you could, and then, also, and then also, tired of Molly the Jones, Sophia Coppola's lunch right now? Um, Seriously. Also, she was... An assistant costume designer on Schindler's List. Yeah, that's cr- you like, put that red coat on that little girl. Honestly, she, maybe. And, and but she was do like you pin the badges to Ray Fine suit. Goodbye, Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Scary little girl. It, yeah. w- weirdest, weirdest <laughs> career. I mean, she's got like she did the Schindler's List costume stuff in '93, and then nothing until debutante in '98, which she wrote, directed, and edited as a USC film school student. Oh, oh I, di- I didn't know. There's that. a little USC in the in the copyright line. Yeah, I mean it, it's damn. a true USC project. She, she was it's in college. so obviously a thesis film. Yeah, like yeah, she, but and she, it's kind of she, a tone. She poem. got she got Josh Hartnett for uh for, for a thesis film. That's pretty good. I was like kind of a tone poem. Yeah, and, um, and then and then in 2011 honestly, she made another short film called Animal Love with Selma Blair and um the dude from Spanking the Monkey. What's yeah, that guy? And they name? spank a monkey uh, in the show movie. Jeremy Davies. Jeremy Davies. Yeah. Wait, wait. They have sex with the wait, monkey. Wait, with, with Jeremy Davies, <laughs> you go to Spanking the Monkey. Yeah, that is the thing that you go to. Yeah, dude. Because Spank it, the Monkey. Oh, 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 monkey, monkey, spank. That, so that's a <laughs> wait. I'm I, I'm just surprised. I w- yeah. most people would go to like Saving Private Ryan oh. or, or like uh like I would go to Lost. We were singing Shot the Monkey by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> I really felt like I needed to clarify. Anyway, yeah. yeah. And I uh, no, I don't know why. That's I like Jeremy Davies a lot, but uh, but uh, I will say it's cool that Selma Blair, after becoming way more successful, was still like, yeah, I'll work with you again, like. 14 years later. It just person. seems like they're friends. I guess yeah, so. probably, yeah. I'm, I'm always happy to see that kind of thing. Yeah. It's the way, like, there's, like, this weird current in Josh's own career where you can, 
you can get a you get a sense that he's friends with certain people, right? And they basically just are like, hey, like you know, you want to hang out, you want to make a film, you want to blah blah blah. Yeah. Like so, yeah. L- like his friend from Stuck Between Stations. <laughs> yeah, Casper. I. <laughs> so, guys, anything else that we want to say about debutantes? I wish he was a friendly. No, guest. it was it was a nice little short film, not much to it, but I I kind of liked it. Yeah, I, I think I dug it. It's a sort of like tone poem about teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> and uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's I will fine. say uh, thank you to Mark Naff who I I emailed oh, us yeah. uh, about uh, where to find debutante. And wait, uh, someone sent it to us on Twitter as well. I'm going to look that up. Guys, keep talking. Okay. Well, what's next? <laughs> what's next? Uh, so the next short film in our list that Josh was participating in was a movie called The Same. And it is a it is a boring name for a movie. Uh-huh. And I actually for, for really, a movie, really it's not boring. Yeah, I actually really really like this little short film. Um, it it's stars very silly. Wee Man from Jackass. It, it does star <laughs> Wee Man and uh, Josh Hartnett, and then one other woman is also in the short film. I'm just gonna look up the no one the speaks name. once. There's no dialogue. It's yeah, it's all, silent. It's sort of like a tone poem. <laughs> <laughs> tone poem. <laughs> It's, it's well. It's, oh, a, it's oh, sorry, a little sorry. pretentious. Also, uh, Joe Allen Dickerson on Twitter uh, also sent us the link to Debutante. Thank you to both of you guys for, thanks, thanks, for tracking that down for us. Yeah, this this move, this little this short film would be just sort of irredeemably pretentious and not very good if it weren't if it wasn't for the twist, which I you know the twist is is very Twilight Zone meets, meets like Tales from the Crypt yeah, or something. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty gory. Um, and obviously I like that kind of thing. So when Wee Man is tottering down the hallway on a pair of freshly sewn on legs, he sawed off a certain boy that we like to talk about on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, let's try and describe this little short film as so best we can. Can I give you my take on it in terms of like the, the feel of it and the look of it? Sure. So this is a film, again, it, it is about a, a little man played by a Wee Man. Jason, Jason Acuna. Yeah, Acuna. who lives in this apartment building, but he sort of spies on all the neighbors and has these tunnels built around through the walls. He's kind of like the like his apartment. He's painted as like a little bit of a scientist guy too. Like yeah, there's like beakers and shit, and he has a tube that he can telescope down, and then he gets into the tube, and, and he gets it in takes the tube, and it the... takes him into the vents, and then he can <laughs> spy on the woman. Yeah. <laughs> the, the woman that he clearly really likes. Exactly. Yeah. But so this is a movie that it felt to me like an early Jean-Pierre Jeunet movie. Yeah. Uh, like Delicatessen or The City of Lost Children. But uh, oh, I, I should say those were the ones that co-directed with uh, Marc Caro. Yeah. Never and forget it, that Marc Caro co-directed those. Exactly. Uh, and then w- went off and didn't make and did nothing d- did not make amelie or alien resurrection uh <laughs> but but it, it feels like a junet and caro movie but made by marcus nispel who's that marcus nispel was a a big music video and commercial director i believe he also worked at propaganda films where michael mm. bay ah, with fincher and bay and all of those and, guys yeah, but then uh he, but then he began his, his his feature film career directing the Michael Bay produced remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, good for you. And then also you? made uh, the Michael Bay produced remake of Friday the Thirteenth. Good for and you. And then uh, the 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 Jason Momoa version of Conan the Barbarian. And basically, right. he has that kind of like very. Is that any good? 
I heard it wasn't great. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which is a shame because like Momoa seems like the perfect guy for he's a good Conan. Conan yeah. But I, but but Nispel is one of those guys where you know he's got the very slick, glossy sort of music video style. Uh, but yeah. but his tastes lean toward like grungier, more like metal, like uh, like violent stuff, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. And uh, and so it has. Uh, and it very much has that look, that sort of like high contrast, kind of bleach bypass, very washed out, but like, like uh, sort of like colder tones of yeah. things from that era. And it's kind of like this whimsical like music playing, like a Tom Waitsy kind of like right. xylophony, yeah, heavy. I don't know. Yeah, and and so I was not surprised when I looked up the writer director Mark Polanski. To discover that this guy, who has gone on to direct bigger things, like a bunch of TV uh, and and some small movies, but so he uh, he was the assistant to Michael Bay on <laughs> Armageddon and Pearl Harbor, yeah. and he was a second unit director on uh, the Amityville Horror remake produced by Michael Bay, The Island directed by Michael Bay, and Friday the Thirteenth. Directed by Marcus Nispel, produced by Michael Bay. So, wow, all right. so yeah. So this, so when I said this feels like it kind of came from uh, the kind of like the world of Michael Bay productions, and I say this yeah. as someone who spent the last couple weeks making an hour total long <laughs> multi-part Michael Bay video series that almost killed me. Uh, I saw so all that shit's freshly branded in his head. Go watch it, please. <laughs> please, I'm dying. Uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking about Michael Bay and things he was involved in, and this very much has that aesthetic of coming from that world. Gotcha. And you know what? It came out around the same time. Pearl Harbor was released in 2001, as well as a short film. You could see Josh on the set of Pearl Harbor bumps into Mark Polanski, who's shooting the behind-the-scenes footage for the documentary about the making of Pearl Harbor. Right. And he just goes... I got this movie. It's weird. This yeah. weird little movie. Wee Man's going to be in it. There's no script because there's no dialogue, so here's just the one page on it. We got Wee Man on board. <laughs> you, you like Are Jackass? You yeah. Josh is like, yeah, I love yeah. Jackass. Jackass is was rad. It's cool. And he's like, great, because Wee Man is going to chop your legs off in this. Well, we were saying because there's no dialogue, you could very easily make this like a music video yeah. for like garbage. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. and we say Massive that be, attack, because something like that. while watching uh, the first two episodes of Cracker, uh, basically every time Sarah Paulson shows up, a garbage song is playing, as in a song <laughs> yeah. by the band Garbage. Right. I know. Yeah. By the way, uh, like four four needle drops for the same garbage song, and yeah. then like two for the other weird old timey song she plays because that's what her uh, sisters got diddled to. By the way, <laughs> gonna, gonna drop a hot take here. Uh, I think Garbage. Uh, recorded the most underrated James Bond theme. I think mm. uh, the world is not enough. Is for me like easily like top ten. The world bon- is not enough. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah, and it has the the big like 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 sweep and scale of like that uh, that I like I want from a Bond song. And uh, not a good movie, but a great no, not a good movie. Great Bond theme song and. Uh, just want to say that I don't think it's not recognized enough. So, so recognize, recognize, Y'all recognize it. a good thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, this is a funny little movie. Yeah. It's a, also there's this whole thing where you know Wee Man is uh, he, he's in love with this woman, but then she seems to like Josh she keeps is more kicking handsome him in the balls and then and he, <laughs> doing and pranks he, on him. <laughs> 
throwing apples <laughs> yeah. at him. He, he's he, he's bitter because you know Josh is just so handsome and has is just as taller. And then yeah, there's this fair enough. there's this dream sequence because he, he also he smashes a uh, a goldfish bowl on the ground and then sees the fish yeah, gasping some for fish breath. Symbolism that I don't quite understand. And then he has this dream sequence where he is on a beach and then sees the woman and Josh Hartnett together on the beach. Right. And he is alone and then looks down. And his legs have been replaced by a fishtail. Yeah, he's, he's a merman. A merman he's now. a wor- merwee man. Also, <laughs> in this dream sequence, we very importantly we get uh, Josh wearing a cozy sweater. It is a is a black turtleneck sweater. That's right. You heard it here first. It's a pre Penny Dreadful cozy sweater appearance. And there will be exactly more from Josh. Yes, yes. And yeah. So wee man's a goldfish person, and then he wakes up and smashes. The goldfish bowl? No, no, that's what inspired the dream. Oh, this dream. Because he saw the the fish gasping for breath, and the fish dies. Yeah. And uh, and then, I think it was thinking about legs, and his lack of legs in the dream, that give him an idea. Oh, yeah. A pretty good one, too. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know why it didn't work. Fucking genius-level idea. Where it kind of does work. He he goes goes into into his his tube. (laughs) He goes into his his ventilation tube, and he crawls over. And I will say, Josh was asking for it. He was begging for what happens to him. (laughs) Definitely deserves what happens to him. So, so Wee Man, instead of crawling to his usual spot in the vents where he can spy on his lovely, the woman, it's not even, and Josh also, by the way, has never talked to the woman or shown to, was shown to be in any way No, I th- involved. It's, it he's almost just feels jealous like of he's his jealous of how, jealous, jealous of how good looking he is. Are, and in are, the are dream, you Sean Connery? He's jealous, jealous of how Josh good looking he is. Wants to and fuck uh, the prom queen. He's got fish legs and uh, he doesn't like it. <laughs> doesn't like it. Um, he chopped his legs off. <laughs> so he, Wee Man crawls over to Josh. Ethers his mouth. <laughs> you could just say it. He chloroforms, his mouth. He chloroforms Josh and then uh, yeah. chop his legs off, put them on. Yeah. <laughs> Puts them on under his pants, like gets longer pants, and sews the legs onto his own. Yeah. I think he chops his feet off, his own feet well, off. Well, that's so he can un- sew it's Josh's unclear. Long legs. Like he, I, I can't tell if maybe he. He dies, so. You know, he, he has to. Uh, I, I was thinking about this a lot. He definitely has to, like. Cut his own. Cut off. I, Dang like, feet he's off. not just using Josh's legs as stilts and standing on them. Right. Well, you could, what you could do is you could take the meat of the thigh meat, hollow out a little wee man sized <laughs> leg hole, and then just smoosh your legs into yeah, it. Yeah, ballerina like big foot socks. Your legs <laughs> <laughs> ballerina, point your toes down and just slide yeah. them in, ballerina, like into the, the tubular legs that well, you have, have. Like some easy. giant shoes. Yes, yeah. like and kinky boots. <laughs> and so and, yeah so he definitely and then you don't need to die so so the important thing is we get this Wee bizarre visual of of Wee man but with long josh hartnett's length legs it's both Wha- funny and really disturbing actually yeah, like, just that, like that actually was a pretty effective like just him kind of teetering down yeah. this hallway oh, in silhouette so you just see his creepy his legs big, and his, yeah yeah, yeah. Short and arms. then he knocks on her door and, and he has a flower and then yeah. she answers it and and then he basically just like Collapses. He's like a loss of blood. <laughs> I've lost all of the blood that I had just walking to your but door right before he expires. Meanwhile, you think she's going to be horrified and just run away, or but slam then the she's door. like, "No, look, I don't have any legs either." It turns out she has fun, like porcelain or like marble legs. Yeah, weird like, legs, like made kind out of prosthetic, marble. as if she had lost her legs, uh, kind of like Eric Lamarck style, uh, below the knees. <laughs> and, a la Lamarck, uh, and so. 
And so then she has this tender moment with them when they, when you expect her to just recoil in utter disgust and horror. Right. And instead she lies down with them. And as, as Wee Man dies with his new sewed on legs, <laughs> she shows him the fact that she has marble it's legs. So, and we the realize that so they're beautiful. the same. <laughs> they are now the same. Because that's the title of the movie. I know. I was wondering because it's just like, wow, shitty name for this short film. You could, uh, you could call this so many things. There's so see, much going on here. Well, yeah. Josh, like, Josh is dead. <laughs> Yeah, Josh, Josh didn't even talk to that woman, but a midget crawled into his room and killed him. And then his legs off and kills him and puts them on. Josh <laughs> dies. Then he teeters over to the woman and dies. And the only reason she bonds with him is because he did this stupid thing. And she's like, "Look, I also don't have legs, but I'm fine." And then he dies, and she's like, "I guess she's probably like, <laughs> I, I want to see the after moment where she just like is like, huh." <laughs> she just leaves him in the hall and totters back into her own room, and that's the end. And there's yeah. just two dead people. She's just making breakfast and doesn't know. Yeah, um, brushing her hair, looking at all her weird dolls that she has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's uh, a creepy movie. It's, it's creepy. Fun. It's it pretty is, stupid. I, but <laughs> I liked it because it's just so. It's more like something so that should sorted. be on like Creep Show. Like yeah. that's like the like level yeah, of story not, that's happening. Not for an anthology film produced by Luc Besson. Yeah, this is like oh, yeah. art house, but it's like. It's just kind of like puerile and like, and well, I mean, the best part is well, the gross part. And, and what I'm getting from uh, from this and Cracker, they both give us <laughs> really memorable Josh visuals. Cracker yeah. gives us Josh's first appearance on the toilet with a chunky '90s cell phone. Yeah, and then this gives us Josh poop. laying in bed with his legs <laughs> hacked off and like trails of blood from where, yeah, from where they were like dragged away. And uh, I think that and that's like worthwhile for me. Yeah, I was yeah. into it. Yeah, anyway, uh, let's move on. I loved it. Anyway, next we'll move on. Next. And and apologies for Matt's politically incorrect use of the word midget. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize for nothing. Let's keep going. And also mentioning chunky poops. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so the next one we had, unfortunately, Pat or Matt, neither of them could oh, watch this. this. Yeah, we so we'll just shut we up and we'll let you it. talk. So it's time to take a ride on the Jake train. Because oh, I'm about I, to talk I, to... I also apologize for what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Straight shot of uncut Jake. Uncut Jay. <laughs> Put this... <laughs> take just a drag say, off of this Jay, because you're about to get high with just, my words. Just say Just, just fucking say talk. Fucking talk right. about it, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is called Member... Jay Bones on the mic. <laughs> hey, remember how dumb Jake is? <laughs> Guys, Dude, I can't get him. through this if you're just going to roast me while I'm talking about yeah, it. Well, I've lost all my confidence so quickly. We're going to bully Jake. <laughs> so this film's called Member. And uh, this came out also in 2001. Keep that in mind. Big big year. It's like big, big year, year for Josh. And I, I will say, it, it, it's almost as if he did Pearl Harbor, a movie that is absurdly long. It was like, I just want to do the opposite. Short films yeah <laughs> yeah i actually really like this movie i'm kind of or i, I thought the short film was kind of cool damn it, I'm, i, I want to see it yeah i mean there's there's a lot that's it that's, feels bad that i didn't see it yet there's a lot that's we dated tried. about it but while i was watching it it's it's first off absurdly edited it's about josh and he plays what i can only <gasps> his character's I, name is gianni his character's name is gianni <laughs> italian josh and he, and he plays what I could only describe as like a cross between Travis Bickle and Jake Gyllenhaal's character from Nightcrawler. Sorry, if he was on coke. I just looked at this Imagine movie. those two guys on quack. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, so the, the description of this movie is in a kaleidoscopic road tour through nocturnal Los Angeles, Whoa. a young man plans the perfect insurance scam car crash. 
That sounds cool, and it also co-stars someone named Casey Bones. Yeah, Whoa, that is an old story. I don't know who gangster. Casey Bones is because Josh Hartnett is the only person that appears on screen the entire yeah, time. Yeah, I'm Casey Bones. <laughs> Come on down to the ca- casino and It looks bar. like you're looking for trouble. Casey Bones plays Flasher. Uh, oh, so he's a flasher. Oh, okay, you know what? There are a few like people okay, in the background know, shots. Now, here, the, now, the the, now the name's funny if he's a flasher. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh no. KC this bone. Hell yeah, dude. By the way, I mean, it's just like Kid Nichols. Yeah. They call me We're Kid just Nichols. Doing Kid Nichols. On account of these two nickels. <laughs> All right. Wait, is, is that a flapjack reference? Oh, That's a marvelous you know misadventures it. of flapjack reference, but it just makes us laugh. Oh, okay. But guys, the uh, the list of characters: Josh plays Gianni, and then the characters are Flasher, Swingers, Waitress, Buddha, Lap Dance, Mark, Stunning Hipster, Stunning Hipster, Clubber, Hipster, Barbara Bush. So wait, there's a character that's called a hipster, and then there's a stunning hipster. Yeah, yes. who got, who got to abor- downgrade? More importantly, like, an actor named person? Sebastian Mercier plays Barbara Bush. What? This um, is so Jake. Explain. Yeah, why I'll explain is there Barbara why Bush? Josh is the only person in this film, and yet there are all of these people described as co-starring in it. He plays a taxi cab driver, and the short film is is basically a fifteen minute monologue by Josh Hartnett, where he he's clearly mentally unstable and he's rambling. And um, I think all of the background characters that you're talking about, he's a cab driver, which is why I have the Travis Bickle reference, and he'll occasionally. The movie is edited insanely. I mean, when it says the word kaleidoscopic, it's because the movie cuts like... Did you like that or no? I thought it was interesting. I don't think you could sustain a whole movie the way it was cut. And it's meant to more be like a monologue that Josh delivers. And in the background, the passengers of his cab will change really rapidly and abruptly, usually using like whiteouts and flashes and and kinds of crazy cross-cutting. And... um, I, it's it's hard to describe what his monologue is about because I think it's meant to be a kind of insane, nonsensical rambling meant to match the way that the film is edited in itself and also to showcase, I think, I think what they're trying to do is that Josh's speech in his weird monologue is meant to mirror the schizophrenic feeling of somebody changing the channels on a late night television or something because... Okay. And, and he's clearly a mentally unstable person who's... Uh, like deriding the current times. You know how we made fun of... Um, this is 2001, so... Yeah. No, you know how we made fun of Josh in Stuck Between Stations as the dude that's like, oh, it looks like Monsanto's has got your paycheck behind oh, you? Oh, yeah, yeah, He yeah. plays a little bit, that guy, except imagine like a 90s kid, so he's like these fucking sheeple out in these <laughs> streets, your, your late night callers trying to get your, your, your teeth whiteners and your, you think you can fix the ever... Present, uh, yeah. Keep using your credit card and not keep thinking using, about yeah. who you know who you are. Oh, the ATM machine, more like the the soul sucker blood sheeple machine. Like he just keeps saying the same shit, and so he says a lot of the stuff. I think it doesn't the hold up ATM because machine. <laughs> the ATM machine. Um, and he says a lot of this stuff that I don't think quite holds up that well now. I think it would make us laugh a little bit. I think, Matt, you would think it's really, really cornball. Yeah. I I like the pace of the short film and I like the energy of it. I just think, um, I think there would be like a way to do it that's a little bit more updated. The reason why in IMDb it lists uh, as a crazy young man plans the perfect insurance scam car crash is because he just does that. His monologue essentially builds up into a frenzy where he's talking about all this stuff 
and then he grabs the steering wheel right at the end and swerves into some guy on purpose in order to crash so I'm, and, I, I, and get the insurance money off of the car. This sounds fascinating. I'm reading about her. He kills so, someone to get insurance money? I don't know if he kills someone. They don't ever show you. <laughs> it just ends, he crashes. Yeah. It ends with, yeah. with him crashing the car? Yeah, it just ends with him grabbing the steering wheel suddenly and like screaming at the top of his lungs oh, and I, swerving into a car. I want to see this. And it, crashing into it, it. It's interesting. I'm, uh, I'm reading more about it here. So apparently the yeah. director, David Brooks, not to be com- confused with... The other David the Brooks. The David Brooks. Uh, but he, uh, he's a guy who, he's mostly a film editor, but he, he's edited uh, commercials and, and like music videos for people like right. Ridley Scott, Spike Jones, and Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. Which sounds interesting. Baz Luhrmann. Thank you, Matt. He's sorry, Australian. Sorry. Thank you, Mitt. Thanks. That's, that is New Zealand, right? Uh, yeah. Matt. Yeah. Mitt. Mitt. Thanks, Mitt. Mitt. Yes. Baz Luhrmann. Yes, Mitt. Yes, <laughs> but uh, but apparently th- this movie is uh, was shot as one long yeah. special effect, and ninety percent of this movie is green screen. Yeah, I mean he, he when he drives in the car, screen. they do the green screen backdrop of the streets behind him. But what it allows him to do is cut in insane, uh, totally out of perspective. Uh, angles of the street behind him, or sometimes just the background will cross cut into those tickers of news running. Right, through the right. background of on like the lower third, the lower of, third of the stuff. channel, yeah, and yeah. um, so so the movie, the, the short film is just very hectic and harried, and it's it's a lot of special effects and stuff. And I kind I dug it. I just I think the only thing that makes it a little outdated now is what Josh is saying in in the monologue. And I, I but I like the idea. I like the I like the coked out, mentally deranged cab driver. Uh, driving around and crashing into other cars for insurance scams, and while yeah. he's doing that, he's just rambling to himself like yeah. a like a madman, like it's a nervous tick more than he's actually saying anything. I feel like good that time, makes much sense. Good time, kind of. At least I never saw a good like time, a but it, frenzied, drug fueled anxiety. It's good. Dream. You should see it. Yeah, it's yeah. Been awesome. Th- this sounds just more like g- good time is. It has, it, causality. It, well, good time <laughs> yeah. has a really intense energy to it, but it's still like the like the style is mostly. Uh, relatively realistic, like it plays sure. out in real time and it's shot on location. And this seems a bit more surreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Right. So you, overall, just a little bit cringy. Like what he's saying is just like high school grade. Like, yeah, but worth watching in the same way that the same is worth watching or debutante. There's just a couple things in it again that make it worthwhile. Short, too, short, like low short. impact. Yeah, thirteen minutes, I think. I'm, I'm yeah, and I'm always interested in in Josh doing like like riskier, more like surprising stuff like this like taking a chance on on like a unique project i could see him this movie was the first time i could see him doing something interesting like like a character like say how jake gyllenhaal did nightcrawler or something right. like that gyllenhaal's a decent example gyllenhaal's a great I actor mean, he's an intense guy too like you watch right. interviews he's like very pleasant but like yeah he's very like cerebral in this kind of weird, intense actory way, he's got those huge talk. eyes. He has the opposite of Josh Hartnett. He yeah. has massive eyes. I was just thinking about Josh Hartnett in Nightcrawler and yeah. like, like having to good. If he force his eyes open so much that they could be like Gyllenhaal's in that. But uh, also, guys, I'm so excited for Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio. It'll be great. My fa- my favorite Spider-Man villain. <laughs> I just want to see him with the fishbowl on his head uh, and, the, and the green suit and, and the cape. cape. Yeah, wait. I love what about the he 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 gets the that kind of similar Nightcrawler vibe in uh, shoot. What's that movie with the like hippo pig? Okja, Okja, where he plays like the oh Okja. He goes shoots for the fences and that goes hard. There is 
uh, Dr. Johnny's Magical Animals. There yes. is, there yeah, is yeah. nothing <laughs> like Jake Gyllenhaal's Oktra performance. Yeah. Wonderful. It, it was like, when we ended, I was like, I don't know if he was good or bad, but I could not stop watching but him. He was when in he was, it. I, I fall squarely in the bad camp, but I... I always have to give E for effort with this kind of I stuff. Lean more and I love good. that Jake Gyllenhaal did that. I do lean more towards good, but I'm also like a bigger fan of someone just being fucked, fucked up and weird. Cause yeah. that's that, why I like Nick Cage so much. Like, you know, it's just yeah. like, I f- always fall on the side of supporting that. Usually. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the same thing with like, uh, Tom Hardy in the motion picture Venom. Uh, in that, like, I, I can't tell you if that's actually a good performance, considering it's also so at odds tonally with everything else happening in the movie, <laughs> but I could not stop watching him, and I just wanted more. So I'm like, I, I guess I'm going to say that was good, because I enjoyed it the most of anything in the movie. Yeah. Shall we continue? Yeah, yeah. We um, should. We're going to move on to more things that only Jake has seen, because that's it's time for Tea Talks. Keep in mind, though, also mention, if you're looking at Josh Hartnett's Wikipedia article, the same and member, those two short films, were part of anthology movies that you'll see run through the list here. Like, there's the anthology film Short Six, uh, Zero Un, Stories of Lost Souls. All of those movies, you may have thought we didn't cover them, but they're actually anthology movies that just had one of those two short films in them. So don't worry that we weren't seeing those for whatever reason. Do, do like anthologies get made every year for like art circuits and stuff and we just don't see them or like was there a heyday for I think this might have been a heyday yeah because I don't, know. I don't hear about these types of things very I mean like other than like ones that with very specific themes like Paris Thames right like yeah, that, yeah yeah this seems very or much like midnight uh what city of midnight or Paris Jetem and then there's the other New York taxi I love you. New York I love you thank no, you no the taxi one oh night on earth night on earth that's the Jim Jarmusch yeah, movie yeah, yeah. but that's one director that sure, feels but that's, that's like what I'm saying is like that's what's happening kind of a bit a little bit I mean, Paris Jetem well, is an anthology though right yeah. Yeah. with like lots of different directors yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and these movies really just seem like they are just existing short films that they just that sandwiched together yeah and and like the idea of like some of these short films appearing in multiple anthology films. It's like, that really just seems like a very loose thing. Like, eh, let's, let's just grab some short films and I'll stick them all together. But that one was in a different anthology. Whatever. We'll yeah. just put it in this one. It's Call got, it Zero Oon. Whatever. Fuck yeah, it. It's no got Josh Hartnett. We can put him on the poster. So, yeah. and, so that's why we waited until now to cover these because since some of these appeared in multiple anthologies, it didn't seem that relevant to cover the whole anthology yeah, together. Yeah, like who cares about those other movies? Yeah, and if you're mad about that, just think about why and stop being that And way. also consider that, we, <laughs> that we've watched literally Very everything sad. Josh Hartnett has ever been in, and so who are you to judge us? Yeah, yeah. go see a therapist like Robert Pastorelli in the show Cracker. Um, yeah. And he'll figure out what's the problem. Yeah, he'll tell you to do something like that one ex- advice he gave that radio call-in listener who was like, so uh, take your husband out for some drinks, uh, have a nice time, get a nice meal, bring him upstairs, say you're about to have sex with him, punch him in the face and throw, push him down the stairs, <laughs> and then walk around and loom over him and go, I fucking love you. <laughs> anyway, that's my advice, advice for how to like kickstart your relationship. So God that's the kind it. of good stuff that he says, because he's a healthy guy and definitely should be telling people how to live their life. Absolutely. Anyway, be like Fitz. But now, Jake, and then maybe tell, just, tell us know. about T-Talks, T-Takes? T-Takes. And you know what? You're about to get Jay's take on T-Takes. Takes and so take another hit of your Mary J because oh. I'm gonna you're gonna high again and you guys can't fire me. Shut up, um, Jake. Stop encouraging bad behavior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't. <laughs> you're right. We I don't, don't condone that. It's illegal in we this don't, state. Marijuana isn't. Yeah, isn't legal. Mary here. Jane, if you're smoking the wacky tobacco, you're gonna get locked up. <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell me that you did it, and I'm going. I will make you get arrested. Hey, can I just say that it's fine that you guys did not see. 
tea takes. It is arguably the most boring thing <laughs> I've ever seen. Really? I, I was planning on watching it because it was just supposed to, the whole thing. So let me just describe tea takes to you. I'm, I'm going to do what we do oh, for the movies and read the Wikipedia. I, I am I looking at it right now. Tea takes is a 2008 internet exclusive 12 part series of two to three minute episodic films. Cool. Each episode starring a different actor improvising for the camera. It was shot during the 2008 Sundance International Film Festival by the emerging New York writer and director Brody Baker. Side note, he wasn't really an emerging writer and director. I went to his IMDb page, and it seems like T-Takes is the only thing he's ever done. <laughs> he did a different version of T-Takes in, in Brooklyn, and it was called, like, Brooklyn Takes. <laughs> so he so didn't, I don't he understand didn't what they really mean by emerging. At yeah. all. He didn't emerge so much as just... <laughs> it's like he peeked his head out and then went back into his hole. So much as, like, <laughs> Gleek this web series and then retreat back into a cave. Gleek Takes. Gleek Takes. So um, it was uh, written and directed by Brody Baker... And produced by No More Productions exclusively for the New York Times Style Magazine website. So wow. that gives you an idea of what this was for. A, a very strange of a experiment uh, from the New York Times Style pages. So this is 12 episodes. I was fully planning on watching all 12 because I was like, look, oh two to three God. minutes, why not? It's a half hour thing at the end. And um, But I, I actually had a hard time finding stuff past episode two. <laughs> But luckily, Josh is in the first episode of Tea Takes. Hey! And he was probably just traipsing around Sundance for whatever movie was coming out in 2008. Maybe August. He was probably showing August. That was the year of August. And that was at Sundance. Okay, so he was probably showing off August, and Brody Baker managed to get into contact with his publicity (laughs) agent. And was like, hey, we're doing this thing. Josh is like, I love short little indie productions. Yeah, Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm showcasing one that I produced myself right now. So let's do it. And all he does is... It opens up and it's cold outside because it's Colorado <laughs> and he's walking down the street and he's cold and he goes into the lobby of this hotel and it's this hotel where the entire tea takes series is supposedly set in and when he's in the lobby he asks to see his friend Julia Anyone for the person tea? that's sitting at the cons what's that do people drink tea I wish not what in the first the, episode what is okay he asks he asks if his friend Julia is there and the the concierge is like I don't no, I can't give you that information, like who's uh-huh. at the hotel. And he goes, I'm a personal friend of hers. Can you just let her know I'm here? And the concierge goes, okay, okay, fine. I'll tell Julia you're here. And Josh <laughs> goes, thanks. And that's the end of the episode. So that's it. That's it. I think the last shot is him saying thanks, and then he walks over and sits down in a chair in the lobby and blows into his hands to warm them up. And then it's like starring Josh Hartnett. Roll, roll (laughs) credits. I'm six feet from the edge and I'm thinking. And uh, that's it. And so I was like, okay, wow, that sucked. So let's see what episode two is like. (laughs) And I watched episode two and it's the same kind of thing. It's another somewhat famous actor who is just doing something very mundane in another room in the hotel. Who's in that one? Uh, Episode two is Morena Baccarin. Oh, Miranda Baccarin. Baccarin. She lives. She lives in the city. Yeah. Actually, weirdly. Why is it called Tea Takes? I I don't know. I don't care. I guess I don't. What What I was just trying to say is that it seems like these are just going to be warm up. It's just going to be like twelve, three to four minute episodes of famous actor cameos doing, I think, strange and mundane things, all set in this hotel. Maybe, maybe, maybe the thing you're supposed to glean after watching all of it is just this sort of like purgatorial 
sensation of Whoa. famous people. I'm trying to give it more credit wow. than it deserves yeah, by you just saw two episodes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> two episodes you know what? This, this sounds boring, and I think we should move on. Yeah, Super boring. Skip. Let's skip. Okay. Anyways, you Josh know, is in it. <laughs> so chronologically, you know what comes up next that I have a lot what? of things to say about. Uh, next up is the uh, is the. Emporio Armani commercial for Armani's new fragrance yeah. from 2008, starring <laughs> Josh Hartnett. Here we go. Okay, Armani okay. Time. So this is a commercial. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say, I accidentally sent you guys a 20 second version. The full version is one minute long. It's what? The, the exact same stuff happens. It's, Are you saying 40 seconds of Josh? We haven't seen. Yes, I can show it to you right now if you want. Uh, no. It's it's the same thing. So this commercial, it is directed by David Slade, who directed Thirty Days of Night. David Slade. And uh, I'm just, I, I'm I'm reading right here, uh, an, in an article on Vanity Fair, uh, where uh, Giorgio Armani actually interviewed Josh, talking about because Josh was like the spokesperson for this new campaign and this new fragrance. He did print ads. He did this commercial, and uh, he was saying that that I. Uh, that they had, they've known each other, like Giorgio Armani and Josh, since Josh was like 18, and they had been sending Josh clothes for like events even before he was really famous. When he was 18? Hey. Pre-Cracker? No, I think that was like about the time of Cracker. Hey, so Armani just saw Cracker and was like, I love this show. Who's this beautiful Giorgio. boy? Yeah. My name is Giorgio. Who is this beautiful boy? Put on my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they sent? And uh, apparently Josh was actually responsible for getting David Slade hired to... Direct the uh, the commercial. Oh shit! And uh, okay. he said he said I wanted to work oh, with someone shit. who I was friends with, and uh, and hey, David Slade is a good visual stylist. He is, and um and yeah, and he directed the commercial. And the, the commercial it's in black and white. It it, it feels very of very kind of eight, very kind of eight and a half. Yes, and it, it's basically Josh, Josh's favorite movie. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, Josh puts on a nice black suit and a nice white shirt and then gets in a nice convertible car and then drives through the streets of Italy. Beautiful. Uh, I don't know if it's Venice or Rome. If I, had to guess, I, I would say Rome. Rome. Beautiful Italian city. And then arrives at an event and, pe- and that he enters while people take his photo. And he looks like a movie star. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, the thing that I was, the vibes I was getting from this, which I have, you know, to return to one of our favorite recurring points, is, uh, you know, hashtag Josh Hartnett for Batman, because he's looking very Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he is looking Bruce Wayne, looking dapper, paparazzi, taking snapshots. Yeah, of I'm him. like, this guy looks like, he looks like a celebrity. He looks good in a black suit. Uh, it's yeah. nice, nice and stylish. They're playing the song Slow Hands by Interpol. Which I remember, oh yeah, they were cranking it up on uh, on EQX. Yeah, that was a big our, one on the alt rocks. Our, our, 2.7. Our, our hometown the alternative rock. The river? I don't know. I'm just, sorry, I'm no. just saying something. No. What was 102.7? What was it? The, don't real, get mad at me. Just tell me it's, what it was. Uh, <laughs> it was WEQX, <laughs> the real alternative. Here. Oh, the real alternative. Oh, yeah, the, the, river was the, the river was <laughs> oh, like a soft rock. That was like 99.5. Um, no, no, I think that was it. 99.5, the river. Yeah. Oh, right. So we hear like died. Yeah, up. Jake, it's like you've forgotten where you came from. <laughs> yeah. Are I'm you just, still yeah. Jenny from the block or are you? No, no I'm, I'm city boy. I'm Benifer now. I'm fused with Ben Affleck somehow. Can you imagine if they did the Dragon Ball Z fusion rings? Oh my god, you just have these strange, beautiful Benifer. hermaphroditic creatures that Some were like... beautiful hermaphroditic... Yeah. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so, here's my question, though, about the Armani commercial. Because this is what's interesting to me about that. Which is... Uh, everything. 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 Actors, it seems like, of a certain beauty ratio, or whatever you want to call it, right? Symmetry. Just certain level of symmetry 
you you do these perfume commercials. Brad Pitt's done it. George Clooney's done it. All of these handsome. Clooney's career is now just doing commercials. Handsome for stuff. gents. Yeah. Yeah. It's like for, for, for Nescafe mostly. Yeah. yeah but I. Uh, but then. But also like just. And women in yeah. particular, especially for things like uh, like Chanel, yeah, fragrances, it, right? But, you know, you'll have like Boz Lerman directing like you know a multi million dollar commercial for like Chanel Number no. Five, just yeah. starring like 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 one of of, of many A list actresses. But how much money do you get doing perfume? Like the perfume industry is one of those confusing. It feels like an ancient empire because it's. Mainly yeah. European, so I just associate it with like. It still feels like you take like the Silk Road, or like you go to Damascus or something yeah. for it. But I know that's not true. Yeah, or there's like an antechamber in the Vatican City. Like you go behind the Basilica, and then there's also the perf- like the ancient perfume priesthood or something. And they, so I just want to know like how yeah. historical this is, how much money. And like power these perfume companies have, because obviously they always hire the top. Well, Armani isn't just of the American Armani film industry. Tire and stuff these too. commercials also like Chanel. They're not just perfume. So like, what like else does fra- Chanel do? Like uh, is, I know I might sound ignorant to people that know no, fashion like, and know, perfume. Like luxury products are. I mean, okay, mostly they, abominable uh, and really stupid. So. Uh, yeah, you know, Chanel. They're they're a clothing company. They have fragrances. They yeah. have beauty products. They have watches. Right. They have you know, it's like, just like a lifestyle luxury brand. So like m- most things, maybe like started out like as yeah, like scents or whatever you get oud something and well then, uh, or like or, well also oud. chanel handbags are like a yeah. very big yeah, thing. yeah yeah but like like what was the for also apologies to to listeners uh for for not yeah. being up on, on our fashion history but like coco chanel what was who who let me forget was a nazi sympathizer uh <laughs> yeah uh, what what was the main thing famous what, nazi coco chanel <laughs> uh, what was the original thing that she was like most famous for uh, but like okay i literally i'm at, I'm at chanel.com right now <laughs> on on the front page here is sponsored okay, here is uh penelope cruz like front and center Penelope like, cruz like, like like posing there then we scroll down there's chanel, chanel number, number five, five. There's Kira Knightley, oh, Knightley modeling stuff. It it is just it is just a bunch of famous women with glamorous looking products. And I, uh, but yeah, like these are the things that the, you're, they'll sell at Bloomingdale's. I don't know. And I didn't Fifth watch Avenue. that movie or whatever. Coco before Chanel. Yeah, the one with yeah. Audrey, Audrey Tattoo. Yeah, I didn't see it. Neither so. did I. <laughs> uh, but maybe we'd know the answer. But, but yeah. I, I think for me at least, I think these are products that are sold at the high end department stores in New York, the ones that we don't shop at, and uh, your sacks and stuff like that. Should we just... And so uh, <laughs> they have a lot of money to throw around That's and a lot of money so to funny. throw at at the the, the movie stars that they, that, that they select. And it's guys only. For, uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> way to go. But... We should uh, just talk about Marco Polo, even though it's not... We'll, we'll move on to oh it. But God, I will Marco say, like, so like, a commercial like this, I would love to direct. It's literally just okay. Here's a giant budget and a whole crew. All that has to happen is Josh Hartnett has to get dressed and and drive to a place in a beautiful city. Just go shoot a bunch of stuff and make it look great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I would love to. Oh, you'll give me this like the and all, the thing is like a bunch of like the greatest cinematographers in the world. People, you know, like, like your Darius Kanjis and stuff like that. Yeah. They will shoot these commercials. You, you don't hear about like that they're shooting them, but they will just in between movies, they will make most of their money shooting these things. So it's like, oh, like one of the greatest camera artists in the world and like unlimited money. And we just spend two days just shooting shots of Josh Hartnett driving a car. 
Yes, but you know I would what I mean? love to do that. Like the whole thing just sounds so elite. Like it's like nobody else is allowed. What is that? What is that club in the California that all the famous presidents would wear the like the animal masks and dance around in the? Oh, you know what I'm talking about? The stone uh, Nixon, the stonecutters. Was that what it was? <laughs> no, that's I don't one, know. That's the one from The Simpsons. Um. Oh God, come on! You guys know what Hellfire I'm talking about. Hellfire Club? Not the Hellfire Club. It was like an. It was like all you the sure presidential it wasn't the, candidates. Wasn't the Hellfire Club. Nixon was in it. It was uh, California. Fuck it. All right, whatever. Let I don't know what I'm talking about. The Sorry, I, I'm anyways, not gonna help you. I, 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 just, it I just, just feels elite, you... and like there's a certain class of people that are only allowed to direct, be in, have anything to do with these types of commercials. This industry. It's thematic. It becomes thematic, in a weird way. Whereas, like, certain other stuff, but, like, is, you know, you're like, wow, this is extremely elite and the barrier to entry is is artificially high, like, may, but for this kind of shit, like, luxury goods. The whole point with the their advertising is to make is them look exclusionary. Glamorous. Yeah. Bohemian Grove. Oh. Bohemian Grove. Right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, so the point of this is okay. like, so you, you hire That's the most attractive of. movie stars, yeah. and you get directors who can make things look impossibly beautiful and expensive. But it all just feels so insular too. Like it's just it it's millionaires just paying each other with their right, millions. It and it's interesting for us to watch because it's like we can't even afford what this is advertising. So, but I, I think that's also part of it because I. Uh, so much of the general public who can't actually buy these products, that's where they try to make the uh, the advertising like compelling as its own as its own thing. Like it's art it, in it's, it's like, itself. Because they're not even like the the product, this fragrance, it isn't even appearing in the commercial. Yeah. The commercial is just like, yeah. hey, just <laughs> just enjoy watching Josh Hartnett for a minute. Yeah. It's like it's the thing is they're not even showcasing what it's advertising. It's literally yeah. so weird. Right. It, it's just the idea of like of glamour and and beauty made abstract and right and palatable because like like you know uh, uh, and this is consonant with like the Marco Polo stuff that he was in as well yeah it's just this kind of like, that you don't have to there's like luxury goods as opposed to just expensive shit that people buy right like cool cars and like te- like consumer electronics and stuff where you you still are like hoping that people will. Even if they're splurging or treating themselves or like saving up their savings to to like buy this thing, it's like it's still like you're trying to sell it. Yeah. And then there is this point zero zero one percent top tier luxury good bullshit where it's like we just sell kind of like the life. Yeah. Like our brand, we just we've covered all clothing and jewelry and scent and like. <laughs> We don't even need to showcase a product. Our we're, name is. We're enough. showcasing an adjective. Yes, yeah, so like, like we're just going to show you like rich people in on like the New Hampshire beach side in a giant house. But I like just that, having a even good that life. is different yeah. than like a Chanel commercial or an Armani commercial. Yeah, there's right. something distinctly European. About Someone's that always one. going to a gala. Right, it's, like, it's, it's not even a lifestyle. Paris. This is more like are you look at some like some of the Baz Luhrmann uh, Chanel commercials where it's just. It's just extravagance, and it's yep. like the product is not even there, and it's just <laughs> the whole thing. It's just that's why I think it's fun for directors because it's like, oh, you don't even have to like, you're not even really selling the product. You yeah. don't even have to do product shots. Just make, just like, like a, here's like an adjective. The adjective is like glamour, and now just make like a, <laughs> it's here, always glamour. Here's, here's yeah. like five it's million, five million dollars to just make a like a tone poem <laughs> about the concept hey, of glamour. Fine. It's like okay, so you got Nicole Kidman, you got like all. All the art directing budget and, and like camera stuff and visual effects you need just do whatever you want and make and just make people just 
want to like watch the screen. Yeah, and it's like, what are we selling again? Oh, it's a three milliliter bottle of a French perfume called Le Pleu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. But I'm glad I watched a uh, a woman in a uh, $40,000 dress walk into a warehouse that has a bed in the middle of it for some reason. <laughs> While but, like air fans blow yeah, silk curtains around. And I just watch it on TV and I'm like, I want that scent. And I'm like, I what am I supposed it? to do? All I can I'm afford is my fucking <laughs> cabbage water musk that I wear on my neck Which, every morning. It's almost like this higher <laughs> level of- here with my beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a higher level of advertising where it's yeah. like you know, you know this is not like a like a lowly car commercial where you have to show the car. It's yeah. uh, this is a just lowly like car we're not spoon feeding the audience this the right. mush. <laughs> we're going to make them want a thing that they don't even know what the thing is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's if like you, it, if you don't know, then you're never gonna know. We're just know? gonna right. leave them with a general existential malaise in their hearts. That they'll yeah. just like. This seems better than anything you know or do. They'll or want are. the word. Pig. It's like little piggy. Right, it's like I don't know what Armani is, yeah. but I want it because <laughs> because ev- everything looked cool in that commercial. Right. Like like I want to be that fictional Josh Hartnett who just puts on his his nice suit, drives his convertible, and then arrives and people love him. Yeah, and everything is glossy and perfect. And he makes probably a million dollars doing those it. Matthew McConaughey Lincoln ads. Dire- so directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, kind of uh, he. God damn it, he loves uh, driving. Uh, <laughs> uh, are like the f- the weird fine line between those two kind of notions. Where yeah. it's like they're still trying to sell Lincolns. Yeah. But, you know, it's just... Uh, it's just Matthew McConaughey saying a bunch of fucking nonsense in a car. And then falling into a pool with a full suit on. Yeah. And it's like, I guess he can afford to do that. Yeah. So get the car is probably pretty good, huh? Yeah. He's rolling something in his finger. Time for flat circle. Yeah, Falls he's saying rust coal stuff. Yeah, I mean, these are things that, like, dream projects that I would just love to direct. Be also amazing. because you get... No, you know what rules. Okay. You know me and Matt better be paparazzi background extras in this commercial. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Mr. Hornet, Mr. Hornet, and he just pushes. He grabs our faces physically and pushes us well, away. Because this is actually sort of a, like suddenly I, I have a new dream. As yeah. much as I want to work with Josh in like a short film or something like that, I really want to just direct Josh in a commercial. Ooh. Wait, um, Jonathan Glazer, who I I will willingly watch his ads. They're like they are pretty just amazing in their own right. Right. I would love to. I would love for something like that to get made again. Cause like there is this one. Um, who's fuck? Who's the, who's the French actor that was in Holy Motors? The guy, a uh, Dennis Levant. Yeah, Dennis Levant. Denis. Denis, Denis, Denis Levant. Denis right. Sorry, the French right. Denis. Denis uh, he was in a, a, a. I think it was also a perfume commercial. I'm not quite remembering, but it's insane. It's just Jonathan Glazer. Uh, Denis is just fully in like, a a, a demon. He's like a devil. He's like fully painted red. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. With like weird long hair and horns. I remember this And now. he's just dancing to like the danse macabre or something. Yeah. And like flames are shooting out. And uh, it's beautiful. And then it's just like a perfume. Like just do something like that. And then yeah. it's just like at the end, it's like le flambe. The perfume flambe, flambe. by something. And uh, Creme de la bouche. If you're going to do abstract, then do it I don't want to cool. sell a light. Like if you're selling a feeling, you... There's so much more you could do. It's just a Rorschach. So you're do, just like... Yeah, do the David Lynch Chanel commercial or whatever he did. Yeah. 
everything's backwards and electricity is exploding out of buildings. Right. Like, sweet. I also, I just want to say uh, before, sweet. before we move on, uh, since Matt brought up Jonathan Glazer, if you haven't seen Jonathan Glazer's Guinness commercial, yeah, it's man. one of the one, the black and white one where the waves are turning into horses. It's one of the greatest commercials ever. I got to check uh, it out. Up there with just like... Just watch all of them. They're really good. Th- they're all good. Yeah. Glazer's, all of Glazer's stuff is cool, and but he makes more commercials and music videos than he does like feature films. And yeah. so... You can see he. Uh, there's a lot of cool opportunities to just for him to ha- like try out new visual ideas. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we should move on. All right, forward. So coming up next, because we're going chronologically, uh, we have, to our knowledge, Josh Hartnett's sole directorial effort. It's it, funny. I find mixed things on this, where it's some say that he directed it, and others say that he produced it. While his friend Brody Baker, I think maybe it was Brody Baker of T Takes. Yo, Let me my bro Brody's gonna come out, and just swing by, and just like, just grab a quick. He, he had another friend of his as the as a co-director, I think. Oh, is what okay, it was. but yeah, as, I mean, a, as a song, pretty boring. I yeah. did not like the song. Uh, I mean, we should say this is for the Kid Cudi song "Pursuit of Happiness" featuring MGMT, and most interestingly. Uh, featuring Drake, Drake, just yeah. in the music video, just not dancing. on the song, just kind of Drake is just the lyrics there. Yeah, dancing, drinking champagne, and this is, I think, like relatively early in uh in Drake's career. Oh, I actually know a little bit about this. I j- the, heard the, Josh. This was just about like this. four years after Degrassi. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, this was in. Uh, I'm I'm looking th- at this now. I think this was like r- the year his first album dropped. When did okay? I have a question. Uh, no, no, this was the year his first uh, his first mixtape dropped. I had a hard time watching this because I'm pretty sure the Aphex Twin video for Win- Window Liquor had come out right before this, which just sort of like mocked this whole thing. And I think this Kid Cudi song is kind of tinged with melancholy, like based on the end. But right. it, it's a pretty unmemorable, boring little like anthemy song about living it up and and being happy and having money. But then like it tries to like save it at the end by being like, oh, sometimes. But sometimes you overindulge. But what you, happens in the after party? Yeah, sometimes yeah. you dr- well after the party there's hangover. the after party. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, it's right. pretty easy. After and then the party, there's the hotel, hotel lobby, lobby where Josh is waiting to meet uh, probably Julia Roberts or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, Kid Cudi parties, he drinks champagne, everybody's dancing, having a good time, and the, then he leaves and goes to the bathroom. Also, he's like, got a hangover. The, the main visual trick uh, used in this, and I, uh, which is, is kind of neat, but I wish they'd gone a little bit further with it, is where you'll have these shots where Kid Cudi is like you know performing the song like in regular speed, but all the people around him are in slow motion. Right. And I was like, that's cool, but I wish you'd taken it one step further, and this would make it more complicated, but added camera movement to it, which re- would require motion-controlled cameras and figuring out the speed the cameras would yeah. have to move. It's very, very complicated uh, in order to like composite those two things together. But that would be really cool just to have him moving through uh, this world in regular speed while everyone is in slow motion yeah. around him. It's like, have you ever seen the music video for uh, Ava Adore by the Smashing Pumpkins? No. It's directed by uh, Dom and Nick, 
who, who, or one of my hey, favorite, like, Tom direct, and Nick, <laughs> directing duos from uh, the 90s, especially. Dude, but I it, love freaking Smashing Pumpkins. But it's this, it's this single-take music video, uh, back in the days when music videos cost more, but it's, it's a single-take, but the, the speed of it changes, and you have, and it's all one long, continuous tracking shot, and Billy Corgan is moving through it, and he's still lip-syncing the song, but the speed will change. And so it'll go from like regular speed to into slow motion into fast speed, and he he will change as well. Meaning that to pull kind of interesting. The, it's well, what's it's it's a really cool video, but thinking about how it was actually executed is insane because at certain points, uh, the camera because so that the camera seems to move at the same speed, the camera will have to suddenly change the speed it's moving right when the playback of the audio on set will also change speed. Mm. And he will have to suddenly be able to like, uh, change the speed at which he's lip syncing to it. So it all seems continuous because it is one long shot. It's, Nuts! It is nuts. That seems like a logistical nightmare. Yeah, but that was but back in the fun di- when it but that was back correctly. in in the nineties yeah. when music videos had big budgets. Oh yeah, and uh, and also like because like Smashing Pumpkins had a whole string of big elaborate expensive videos, so they could do that. And in two thousand nine, this is the days when music videos don't cost very much anymore, are shot digitally, and the only reason they get made mostly is because. Like uh, Samsung pays them to have a close-up of a phone in the video, and that provides the budget <laughs> God for it. damn it, because Samsung. Music, because music videos aren't aired on TV anymore and don't really serve a purpose uh, because they could just make those lyric videos and put them on YouTube because YouTube is the main platform now for people listening to music, yeah. which is really bizarre. So, Which is not, a, which is not uh, uh, anyway saying that music videos shouldn't be made no make make more of them I hire them. me to direct them yeah and uh it's it's like well this is why we'll put I, as many samsung's in it now as you they're, want they're for the sake of art again yeah. because there's really no payoff right and uh yeah this is why i i'm always i'm grateful for like the that the uh the videos that like joseph Kahn does for taylor swift do have like big budgets because those are like the only the only times you're getting like Sort of the return to like the big expensive pop videos, right, right, right. And uh, but yeah, but this is a video that apparently Josh is friends with Kid Cudi. Uh, I think he was a fan of his, and then met him, and then they just decided to work on something together. Yeah. And again, Very cool. I learned this because I saw an interview a while back where Josh was on Sway in the morning. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he talked to Sway. Yeah. yeah. He did, and then he hey, shouted, man. "How Sway?" <laughs> and no, he didn't. Uh, hey man, I'm Josh. And- I'm not gonna, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but no, um, they, they were they were talking. He, he was promoting Penny Dreadful, but then he talked about working with Kid Cudi. And, yeah. uh, and once again, Josh, please come on this podcast. Uh, we're 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 like uh, no, we're not like Sway at all. Uh, but <laughs> no. we can be like Sway. But I remember we're basically watching, the opposite of Sway. Yeah, yeah. But hey, when I was oh, in middle well. school, I would watch Sway as a VJ on MTV talking on TRL, and yeah. so you know, like I, I'm a Sway viewer. Yeah. And uh, Josh, we'd like to know more about your side projects, like uh, if you're going to work on more music videos. Yeah, do you wear the Armani perfume that you were selling in the commercial? Get your tuchus in here. (laughs) Um, What's up? What's next? And and guys, there is only one more thing to talk about. Okay. Huh? Because I only ate a muffin today. There are two commercials. It's five o'clock. In which which Josh appeared... For the clothing brand Mark 
Opolo, as in mm. O apostrophe Polo. My name's Mark Opolo. <laughs> and these are these <laughs> are two, these are two like three minute long commercials. They're both on Vimeo if you want to watch them. Uh, they're directed by a guy named Bruce Weber, who I think is like a photographer or something like that. I think he also was the like shot the the commercials as well. And this is just a lot of the talking points for the Armani commercial apply to this one. I would say just in terms of like interpretation because it's just two sort of themed. Josh and uh, this other woman play like this, you know, fictional couple that just live this insane idealized life where apparently they own a lot of fluffy animals that they just kind of like yeah. well, lug well, around. Well, one of them uh, has, 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 has one of them has the woman <laughs> playing the, playing a piano on the roof of a building while Josh rides a bicycle around her and then he also just lays on, on a couch inside their big loft apartment and holds yeah. lambs and and. Goats. And, 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 and goats and a lot of pensive thinking. Cats and puppies. The whole thing just oozes this weird sense of just ultimate privilege. I hate it so much. It, it might be the whitest thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's extremely white. And I, the one in the second one, there's one like weird mixed kid. And you're yeah. like, what are you even doing? <laughs> yeah, no, like, everyone. Yeah, I don't it know. It felt like totally strange because it's just you have all these people, presumably in Martha's Vineyard, no, well, yes. just biking that's, that's around. That's the second one. That's the, the first, second one? The first okay. one looks it's like just on a rooftop. on the roof in like LA. Oh, right, right, Someone right. Someone put a freaking Steinway up on a roof yeah. so that she could stand on it and look at she, lovingly. She, she, she just she sort plays of, it a little bit. Yeah, but she mostly just looks like adoringly at Josh Hartnett while he just rides a bike or lays down with a big kitty cat and or a thinks, big baby goat or yeah. a big goat but or the key thing is there are a, a lot dog. of shots that I screenshotted and will be sharing on Twitter they're hilarious where Josh is just like holding a big fluffy cat while he's wearing a big cozy sweater <laughs> there is like his sweater game is on point in this video yeah he's uh, just, just like, like I have big, big time sweater envy uh, <laughs> it, it's mostly just like like Josh looking good in sweaters and yeah. me wishing I had nice chunky sweaters like that and then Josh with cute animals and the whole thing it's nonsense, but it's so silly that I sort of enjoyed it. I it's was like, laughing out loud yeah, as I was, I was watching it for both of them because they, they are yeah they're so funny. It's just these two people. They don't do anything. They just kind of like roll their cuffs up on their nice expensive clothes and like walk on a beach and kind of like nuzzle each other's noses. A and, lot of it is yeah. just in slow motion. And then there's just like a big fluffy purebred dog, and Josh just picks it up. <laughs> or a huge white Doctor Evil cat that he picks up. And, yeah, and, and then like their other rich friends are there, and they just sort of like drink wine. They kind of have a call me by your name lunch at what looks like a beautiful porch with like vines hanging down. Yeah, yeah. and just other people. Yeah, and there. other people. I would love. I would again, eggs out of egg cups. And, it would be so good if like. They had all those animals. Eventually, it turns out like the goats and things to like sacrifice to Moloch. Like, <laughs> yeah, right at the end, like, it gets real. To, dark. to have Mammon continue to bring them great wealth and power, that would be great. But yeah. I mean, again, I, I think the, the lesson that we're learning from these, which is not really a lesson because we knew it from the very beginning, Josh Hartnett is a very handsome man. <laughs> yeah, who yeah, you look, look good. Who, looks, full who looks good wearing a variety of clothing, especially sweaters though, with yeah. like shawl collars. Cozy and, Josh uh, is like a good look. Yeah, oh, yeah. Jo- Josh Hartnett is a pretty man. Uh, I I would I would I would marry him. I would make a human sacrifice to look like him. That yeah. would be cool. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, and yeah, I don't know why, but I just I don't know what Marco Polo was trying to sell me, but I want it. Right. I'm like, did they sell those nice leather bags they're holding? Are they the sweaters? I want that one dog. I just feel bad for not being in that group of people. Now. Yeah, Wait, I feel I, like a I feel like a piece of shit. Also, yeah, Marco I feel Polo like human is garbage. garbage. I'm at marcopolo.com and <laughs> stop going to their what website. What do they have on the splash page? How's their landing page? Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, it, Which actor, so famous it, actor, actress is on there? It's mostly European. Uh, no one. It's just uh, just just attractive models that I don't recognize. I'm on their their men's. Oh man, their jackets look nice. Ooh, Pat, um, don't just don't start e shopping. Wait, <laughs> how wait, much is the jacket? Wait, actually, oh yeah, it, it's it, it, that's like that's not absurdly expensive. How much oh is my it? God, it's Pat like four hundred pounds. What is it's, that in dollars? Five hundred dollars? Seven hundred? It's it, it. It honestly depends on, on the time. But it's like I, I thought. The, I thought these were going to be like several thousand dollar coats. Yeah, that's like, true. Like this is not even as okay. So like uh, the 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 most expensive kind of coat that you see a lot in New York is like the Canada Goose parkas. Yeah, really? and yeah. You know those ones? They have like no. The, I know, but I'm just I don't know how what anything. A costs. Canada Goose parka is like a thousand dollars. I fe- last jacket I have, I found on a stoop. Okay. I, we live near rich people, so they'll if you go the first of the month, every month you walk around rich neighborhoods in Brooklyn, people throw away a lot of cool shit, a lot of a lot of kitchenware, some clothes. I got a scarf that I'm wearing today from a from a stoop. <laughs> and uh and and some and some good ass books. Anyway, I continue. get my I get my cutlery from stoops. I got my favorite spoon from a stoop. Favorite syringes. A decent, yeah. <laughs> a, a decent assortment of furniture. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, our, our, co- our coffee table. Most, our coffee table, a bunch of stuff in my room. It's just yeah. shit that uh, I Matt found. Matt is the stoop master. Uh, he, he is the stoop kid of the 21st century. Yeah, but I do and leave And you my better stoop. pay your respects. He does. He leaves yeah. the stoop. He's yeah. a stoop kid Matt leaves them fast. He grabs it and runs. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes I'm not sure if they're trying to sell it. Or if they just put it down for a moment while sometimes they got their keys some, out of yeah. their pocket. They're just in the process of moving. Sometimes <laughs> an old man is like, hey, and I push him to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, I've never gotten a coat or clothing from a stoop. It's but risky. I, w- I will yeah. say, so, but, like, a, a Canada Goose parka is like $1,000. Damn, And, and okay. this this is, like, about Damn. half of that. And so this is not, I mean, this is, it's I not cheap. Die in that but it's not outrageously expensive. Yeah. And so, so Marco Polo, so guys, Wait, I'm looking at this now. I'm I'm looking at the clothing on MarcoPolo.com. Ugh. Guys, I, I'm gonna be like Josh. I might buy. I might. This commercial may have worked on me. And um, do it. I might buy it. Oh yeah, here's like 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 $150 oh uh, like down jackets. These are nice. Yeah. Wait, and wait, wait. We are wait. not sponsored. <laughs> we are um, not sponsored by Marco, Marco Polo. Uh, uh, sponsor us. Wait, wait. Let let me look at their sweaters. Pat, you do not get to shop on the podcast. Yeah. Okay, that's so disrespectful. But it's it's, it's connected to to no. Josh. Oh shit. Oh wait. Don't just be wait. a dickhead and and say it's thematic because you saw a commercial. Guys, look at the sweater. Oh look my god. Look at that pattern, Pat. It's, it's Put so your, many colors your, woven together. Close your computer. I know no. it's got a nice sort of heathering to it. But no, no, no. Could, we got we got one last thing to talk about. Yes, drunk history. Oh my god! Fucking god! I forgot <laughs> yeah. about drunk. Maybe the best the, the thing best, of the, the shorts. best thing. Yeah, the, it's like like like. Uh, is this Josh Hartnett's best performance ever? I think it's. It should be a sign of Close him doing way, way funny things. <laughs> <laughs> Marco Polo. I want, I want a sweater. For sweaters. I, want, I will be Josh Hartnett. Marco in Polo real time, you watched marketing uh, sponsor us. grab your brain, yeah. Um, I mean, look, look, look we, we all know that... Let's end on a high note with that, drunk that, history. That yeah. just, just like Colin Farrell in Miami Vice was a fiend for mojitos, I'm a fiend for sweaters. <laughs> Sweater yeah, to be fair... Sweaters are the best article of clothing. And now, now the weather is getting chillier, and we can wear sweaters and it again. Is my and shit! I, I am so happy. Uh, anyway, drunk history. Josh plays Clark Gable, and it's awesome. It's, it's wonderful. so funny because he, he weirdly looks a lot like Clark Gable. 
A, you yes. got the classic movie star look, a little pencil mustache, classic. I was, I was saying to Matt when we were watching this last night, I want to see a movie where Josh Hartnett just plays a like 1930s or 40s movie star. Yeah. Why, why wasn't Josh the star of The Artist? If, if Jean Dujardin can win a fucking Oscar <laughs> for that movie that no one remembers, should just put Josh Hartnett in it. Yeah. He's American. Yeah, he's so charming. He's so handsome. Yeah. And you know what this also taught me about Joshua, which I feel like the last chunk of movies we've been watching, unfortunately, have made us all forget, which is that physically, remember 40 Days and 40 Nights? Yeah. Remember Josh's slapstick body humor that yeah. he used? His wiggly arms and tripping and pratfalling yeah, and his stumbling? Height, his height gives him this fun like margin of error that's a lot wider because yeah. of how much limbs he has to work with but i just forgot his good physical acting 40 days and 40 nights he's purposefully being awkward and clumsy and in this one it's like he's harnessing it but with a clark gable as the character he's playing so he's using it to like controlled and dashing effect but he's still doing these exaggerated gestures and it also moves and facial expression and his comic timing is is pretty solid they shoot most of this in wide shots so you can like see the whole scene play out and so you get him like doing whole like physical physical gestures it's not all close-ups like a lot of his movies are right and and also because the way drunk history works and you know the actors lip sync yeah uh, what also it worked well because josh was paired with a guy telling that story who would like give them a lot of dialogue yeah so he has a lot of things to to sort of quote in quotes say right yeah and uh and so you have him like doing funny physical gestures like like you know like these big over the top movements while also lip syncing to the like these goofy lines i mean that initial introduction where he swaggers out the door of like a movie (laughs) premiere and he's like i'm clark gable and and he's like looking (laughs) at the camera and i'm just like oh my god this is while it is a silly 10 minute segment on a comedy central show this is a side of josh hartman i have not seen before and want to see more of please be in more comedies i know he yeah. he's mentioned that that's something he really wants to do Unfortunately, though, I'm looking at your IMDb page, Mr. Hartnett, and it doesn't seem like you lined any of those up yet. So really? you clearly have a talent for it. Oh, Lucy, we all want to see you do it. Oh, Lucy was the best thing we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, that was lighter and also the best thing he's done in a decade. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lighter? So it was more lighthearted. Then Not like, that it doesn't get dark, oh, oh, but that it has oh, yeah, a lighter yeah, yeah. tone. There, there's, Whereas Wild Horses is just broody the entire length gotcha. of it. Or, yeah. or a yeah. six below. Or yeah. like, you know, Josh is singing uh, the emotional miles. Ra- the emotional range is much wider. Yeah. Right. But, but he, he has to play lighter material and there's humor there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he does well with that. And I'd like to see more of it. Yeah. Also, a thing about drunk history is, you know how the way they work is all every cast member just gets paid like the standard sag rate. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so... So it's always a, a bit of a tip-off for me if, like, if actors are going to be in Drunk History, they're probably pretty chill right. because they're they're not going to make big demands. They're they're going to just get paid, like, minimum wage. And, yeah, right. or they just it. think it's funny. Like, they just like the idea and want to be a part of it. It's, like, very much people who are, like, seem to be more game and less high-maintenance, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, n- another good reason to like Josh Hartnett. He's in Drunk History. You should watch Duncan Trussell's... I think he did one or it got botched because he got way too fucking drunk. <laughs> and it's really funny. He's like vomiting and like crawling. Oh, I've seen that. And it's he's on like YouTube. crawling around. He's like, I just don't want to do it right I think it's now. the pre-comedy central when it was just a YouTube oh, the, yeah. series. Like yeah. the funnier dive videos. The funnier dive videos. It's yeah, really funny though. Yeah. He's like having a crisis basically. Duncan <laughs> Trussell also has a hilarious Wait, voice. Guys, yeah. do you hear that? Drink crime because people just Drink. got homicided. Yeah, yeah. Uh, someone once, died once again. This city of crime. Yeah, uh, these, these dark, dirty streets. 
Yeah. Uh, the naked city. Uh, yeah. Noir. One of these days of rain. Walk down the right back alley in New York City. You can find everything or anything. <laughs> That's a line that Josh Hartnett had in the city. <laughs> yeah. What a good one. You can one. find anything. I have to eat food. Matt's dying. <laughs> Matt's dying. We've covered everything. And uh, guys... Now, okay, other than the 14 episodes of Cracker we didn't watch, uh, and for Matt and I, Tea Takes and Member, we've seen every single thing Josh Hartnett has ever been in. Uh, We did it. We completed it. We officially are done. Uh, Please be impressed by this thing we've accomplished. Do you like us yet? (laughs) Do you like me now, Daddy? Do you you respect our ability to follow through on our stupid uh, plans that we make? So we did it, and next week we'll be back with our final thoughts on Josh. The finale, if and you will. The heart grand finale. I just want to say... Um, the biggest p- p- podcast event. If, <laughs> if uh, as we give you our final thoughts on Josh, um, if anyone in the, in the next week can record uh, a cover of part of... So this, the, the classic 90s alternative rock song by the band Dishwalla... Uh, uh, tell me all your thoughts on God because I'd really like to hear them. Uh, if anyone wants to record a cover of like a little bit of that song, but have it be "Tell me all your thoughts on Josh," yeah, because I'd really like to hear them. Uh, please just do that and send it over to us. And we'll play it in the episode because we'll give you our final thoughts on Josh, our final rankings of all his movies. Oh yeah, oh his, yeah, maybe his like top five performances. Exhaustive. This is the the internet's premier Josh Hartnett podcast, and we are gonna deliver for our final episode and so if you want and then yeah it's it's all happening next week same josh time same josh channel uh so of course same josh hosts yep and uh will josh Hartnett be on the podcast probably not but josh give us a call if you want to be on our last but who's episode. to say find out yeah exactly and so thank you to brian host for our theme tuned. song Follow us on Twitter at Heart Hartnett. Send us emails, heartheartnet at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at WeHeartHartnet. Watch watch those hour-long Michael Bay videos. Yeah. It's, it's an hour with the two parts combined. YouTube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. Matt and Jake are in them in, in really memorable roles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, follow me on all the social medias, Patrick H. Willems. Jake? Follow me on Twitter at JR Torpy and on Vero at Jay's Takes on T Takes. And Matt, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Matthew Torpy on Twitter Fantastic. at Matt.Sucks on Instagram if you so choose to follow me. And uh, Josh, please come on our final episode. Good night. Bye. Later. People of the multiverse, I'm Rachel Shank. I'm Scott Thomas. And I'm Patrick Willems. And we want to tell you about our brand new podcast, The Infinity Podcast. What is The Infinity Podcast? We're not sure. It's definitely about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it might tackle what actor should play Cap next, or what is up with Jeremy Renner's Instagram. Ooh, Anthony Mackie and very little. It absolutely takes us down the road from Infinity War into Infinity with an infinite number of detours along the way. So it's not your typical Marvel podcast. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. So please subscribe, review, or even just check us out. Destiny, like this podcast, arrives all the same.